Invocation and Pledge uh, this month brought uh, to us by the District 8. Invocation to be given by Commissioner Christopher Richards and our pledge by Commissioner Tom Tunnicliffe. Page right. That's District 7. District 7. Father, thank you for every seat that has been filled here today. For each mind and heart that fills the presence of this room, we thank you. Only you truly know what we are setting out to accomplish today. We have talents, abilities, and time to work. However, only you can see in perfect detail the end of every beginning. Nothing is ever in vain, for even mistakes and missteps are used for good. Your righteousness transcends all our efforts and understanding. Forgive us for our pride, the pride that puffs us up and the pride that threatens to unqualify us. Strengthen our confidence in who you have made us to be. Set us free from comparison in order to work together efficiently. Bless this meeting today, all those presents, as well as those lives of those we'll encounter afterwards, ready to make us make every moment count. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. District 8 will, will be up next month. Uh, next item on our agenda is the roll call. If all the commissioners uh, have signed into their meeting app, if they will press their present button. I can't tell if everybody's pushed or not because I don't have the screen up here. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whidbey, or the roll call, please. We've got a full slate tonight. Everyone's here. Thank you for that. Next item on the agenda is approval of the minutes for the May meeting. Copies were sent out to each of you. I'll entertain a motion. We've got a motion from Commissioner Tunnicliffe, a second from Commissioner Guffey. Are there any questions on the minutes from last month? Yes. Got one question, Commissioner Judy Herbert. A uh, correction under communications on the objection to hear the resolution early. They put down Herbert. It should have been Hester was the one that did the objection. Any other questions or comments about the minutes from last month? Seeing none, are we ready to vote? If you're all in favor, press your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Passes unanimously. Next, we have citizen communications. Um, we've had quite a few people sign up. Um, our rules allow for 30 minutes total. And so when there's a lot of people, we have to divide that up evenly. And so tonight, each speaker will get one minute uh, to speak on the subject of their choice. Um, I will let you know when you're down to about your last 15 or 10 seconds. When you come up to the mic, uh, please uh, introduce yourself with your name and the city in which you live. Uh, and just as a reminder, we will not allow any slanderous or uh, defamation uh, remarks towards any individuals. Uh, try not to name anyone by name. Uh, beyond that, feel free to 
to speak your mind and your point of view. That's what this is all about. So the first, uh, and I'll take the list as they were signed in. The first person I have is, is that Harry? Kathleen Harris. Kathleen Harris. Or Harms. Or Harms. A little hard to read the writing. for allowing me this opportunity to speak. I'm speaking about elections. I um, in here today, I absolutely do respect the Williamson County Election Commission and their time and their effort and their public service to our community. Most are respectful and have always treated me well. But we are here because you are all making a decision based on what is to be their competence and abilities and judgment when it comes to the credibility and their expertise and trust for the request for a machine purchase. It is for that reason I am here to challenge those assumptions through the untold story of the October 2021 election in Franklin, which has not been told either by the Secretary of State's office in their letter to all of us or by the following EAC um, report. Specifically, the problem that occurred on that election was a problem that should have been caught on the very first day of early voting in the location of the Election Commission office. It is, av it is available to be seen on the tally tapes that are the artifacts of that election. That problem occurred and was not found and was not discovered and none of us were ever told about it. And for that, I say that we have to reevaluate the ability to have these elections based on this expertise. Thank you. Next, we have Andrea Gomez. Thank you, Andrea Gomez, Spring Hill. On the first day of early voting at the only location for early voting, which was the Election Commission office, the printed public count and protective count on one of the tabulators did not match at the end of the first day. The public counter registered nine less ballots than the protective counter difference indicated, a symptom similar to election day where the printed tape showed less ballots. Also, for the full 14 days of early voting, election staff printed morning and afternoon tally tapes that included and displayed the tabulator's software versions. The two different versions were easily visible between over 40 tally tapes printed at the same location. Furthermore, the malfunctioning of scanner tabulators continued throughout the early voting period, with scanners, including the one referenced above, with the incorrect printed public count on the very first day of early voting, needing to be replaced, and with ballots that required removal from the secure bins and rescanned again. These symptoms should have been enough to stop the election or otherwise consult the appropriate government bodies to confirm the configurations on all machines outside of normal pre-election inspection. Because ultimately at that point, regardless of what ended up transpiring on election day and contributing to the inconclusive root cause from the state EAC investigation, they were in violation of Tennessee Code 2-20-104. Um, thank you. Uh, next on the list is uh, Ms. Mary Ann Schroer. Mm. 
Thank you for letting me speak, and I'll try to be very brief. I'm talking about Juneteenth. On June 19, 1865, nearly two years after President Abraham Lincoln emancipated enslaved African Americans um, in this country, Union troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas with news of freedom, and more than 250,000 African Americans embraced freedom by executive decree in what became known as Juneteenth, or freedom. Uh, it continues to be a day of celebration for African Americans, and it should be for all of us. It meant enough to me that I've spent 15 years uh, working on the uh, Juneteenth celebration in, in Franklin. It warms my heart to see so many people coming together um, to give this event in our history the recognition it deserves. It's a federal holiday, a state holiday, and should absolutely be recognized as a holiday by Williamson County as well, and thank you so much. Next up is Elliot Franklin. Good evening, my name's Elliot Franklin, live in District 4, um, and uh, again, I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak tonight. Wanted to ask that you uh, please vote no on the handmarked paper ballot survey, as well as no on the ESNS machines. Um, we know that at least four counties, Knox, Hamilton, Shelby, and Murray, use handmarked paper ballots with an optical scanner, according to TCA 2-2101, and that's what I'm recommending we do here. For the past 20 years, the Lord has blessed me to be an ethical hacker. I get paid to legally hack into companies and help protect them. I've got two <laughs> devices here today that are very easy to hack into these voting machines. One is with the little ballot marking cards. There's a little device called a Flipper Zero. When, when I tap that card, I can make a copy of it, reprogram it, put whatever ballot choices I want there. The second is called a Wi-Fi Pineapple. Even if the Wi-Fi on these devices which I have the schematic of the ESNS and it's got Wi-Fi in it. Even if it's turned off, this machine can turn it back on because it's all about being able to remotely fix these machines. That's what people want to do. They want to be able to remotely fix them. Thanks. And so these machines, um, we need to go back to hand-marked paper ballots where we have an audit trail. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Carl Allison. Carl Allison. Please try to refrain from the clapping and the noise that cuts into the, the minutes that we have allowed for people to speak. Last time, Brian. Uh, my name is Carl Allison. I'm from uh, Franklin. I just want to say that I uh, asked for your no vote for the um, election system for the 200 BMDs. Uh, your vote does matter. I tried to provide you guys a lot of information that, um, to understand why this is an issue. 68% um, of the U.S. does use hand-marked paper ballots. I have talked to other precincts that are outside of the state. Um, someone that's even been a decade long a, um, election commissioner, they say, I like my pre-printed ballots, I like my precinct, and I like my 180A machine in, uh, in that precinct. The paper that uh, was written by the election commission, I think it has a whole bunch of um, items in there that are referenced that are, that are issues. One, they referenced the National Academies of Science and then noted and told you that they recommended um, ballot marking devices. What they didn't tell you that is on page six, in they seconds. recommended the handmarked paper ballots as well. But it also then later said that handmarked paper ballots are the standard. There were issues in terms of them saying that voter intent's an issue. When you're at the polls, the machines will self-adjudicate. So there, that will handle itself, and me as a poll worker, I handle it. There's Thank a lot you. more. Please read it, and please vote no. Next, we have uh, Steve Hickey. 
want me to go ahead and get some others lined up? Frank Limpus. Or... Steve Hickey, District 9, Franklin. Commissioner Sturgeon, welcome back. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this evening I'm here to encourage you to reject the purchasing of the ES and S machines. You've heard from several people and you'll hear from several more for reasons on why they, you should vote no. I'm going to speak to my experience with the Tennessee anomaly two years ago. I was a poll watcher at Legacy Middle School during that election and witnessed the failure of the Dominion voting machine in uh, real time. In the aftermath, I requested answers to a list of questions based upon my observation and consideration of the incident. These questions were addressed initially to the Williamson County Election Commission and to our county state legislators for response. At every step, from my rebuffed inquiry of the vote center supervisor of elections to record the serial numbers of the affected machines to my ignored engagement of the uh, County Election Commission for answers uh, that was similarly ignored by the state legislators, I encountered a process designed to protect the governing apparatus at the expense of the transparency with the governed. In seconds. It is struck at the heart of what is grievously wrong with our rapidly devolving system of governance. Unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats maintain a st uh, structure, exclusion and control over the governed through notional expertise and control over levers of power. Please vote no on the voting machines. Thank you. Yeah, Frank Limpus. And then and in the interest of time, if uh, Kurt Kosak could be on deck, and then uh, Sharon or Shannon Spiegel. My name is Frank Limpus. I'm with District 10. I uh, lived here in Franklin. I have five quick points. First, the commission study recommend recommendation is completely backwards. It should have been done long before the county purchases machines because it could prove some machines are a waste of money. Second, for at least eight months, citizens have been requesting a five to 10 year cost life cycle benefit analysis of a machine based voting system versus a paper based system. All that was delivered though was an acquisition cost comparison of basically one brand. Third, by pushing the purchase of machines, the commission has already shown the type of system they want. They want another dominion. I'm hopeful that you've seen my comparison sent this morning to each one of you uh, between dominion and ESS machines. There are 13 similarities that I've found. Fourth, no one needs to pay a firm to do a feasibility or implementation study in that how is. to execute hand-marked ballots. The commission should simply meet with their colleagues in Hamilton, Knox, Shelby, and Murray County, they've already worked out all the bugs on how to do hand-marked paper ballots. Um, Finally, if the commission decides they can't um, seek best practices for their colleagues. That's it, Tom, thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. <laughs> Kurt Kosak. Kurt Kosak, District 6. I vote at the Brentwood Library. I like the way I vote. I voted there for 20 years. I love the early voting technique. The idea of going to hand ballots. Um, when I sign that, when I sign my name at the end of the, when, after I vote, that's my hand ballot. Uh, I don't know if Wi-Fi can change my signature or not, but I like the way we vote now, and I hope you continue to have that system. And I think the um, voting commission's doing, election commission's doing a great job. Thank you. Aaron Spiegel. 
My name is Sharon Spiegel of Franklin, Tennessee. I ask you to vote no on the ES&S purchase and the $50,000 needed to perform a study. I sent all commissioners an email containing the legislative link to the Senate Concurrent Resolution 1037, which the Arizona State House and Senate passed in March 2023. This document makes extensive reference to the famous Williamson County, Tennessee era from October 2021 alderman election with Dominion voting machines. The SCR 1037 bans foreign voting machines in Arizona. Why would a state thousands of miles away have this response upon knowledge of the Williamson County error, yet right here, our officials and election commission just want to double down on electronic voting machines by changing to ES&S? Why has there been no outcry here among officials about the potential for manipulation of our vote? SCR 37 names ES&S voting machines as well as Dominion to avoid in Arizona because both companies source components made in China. Our election commission has stated they are concerned for the relatively small number of human errors which handmarked paper ballots that are counted by hand would generate. I'm concerned about the thousands of people whose vote can be manipulated or not counted by either human programming error or an algorithm operating in the voting machines, not to mention all the voters disenfranchised by long lines at the election commission's vote centers rather than our state mandated, mandated precinct voting. Thank you so very much. Next, we have Bill Petty, and then after Bill Petty, we'll have Leslie Luciani, and then behind Lucy, or Leslie Luciani, we'll have John Cherry, if they want to be ready to Hi. speak. And I want to thank you for your service. Uh, I have a quick comment. Uh, when ES&S came and presented their proposal, and they were accepted by our election committee, uh, they were saying that, you know, our Machines are not going to be hooked up to the internet. They can't be hacked. Uh, there's a lot of security. And about a month later, there was an election in Mammoth, New Jersey, where a thumb drive got counted twice and threw the election completely into chaos. So my question is, yeah, maybe they're not hooked up to the internet, but they still have thumb drives that they use. And what's in those thumb drives? And we were surprised by that. We didn't know this was going to happen. We didn't expect it. And so my question is, what else are we going to be surprised by? And finally, uh, I'm a poll watcher, and I was in Fairview the last election, and the lines were out the door because there was only four stations to vote at. With hand ballots, we could have many more stations. The voting would go quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Leslie Luciani. Hopefully I'm saying that name correctly. The American way. Um, Leslie Luciani, District 2, College Grove. The short answer to uh, whether the, the question of whether Williamson County should use voting machines is no, 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 and no. The exorbitant cost and vulnerability to hacking and errors makes machines an absolute non-starter in our voting process. Paper ballots on the precinct level with one election day as prescribed in our Tennessee state constitution are mandatory. Anyone who does the slightest bit of research knows that voting machines are extremely problematic. I quote from uh, Frank Limpus, excellent open letter to Williamson County Commissioners of January 30th, 2023. This letter is available to the public at TennesseeElectionIntegrity.com, and I hope you all have read it. It includes links to all the statements of facts. Mr. Limpus states, unfortunately, the Williamson County Election Commission has ignored example after example of Ten machine seconds. vulnerabilities. 
um, operator errors, foreign parts in these machines hidden from county customers, programming errors by vendors, and commissions that won't listen to facts presented to them about election vulnerabilities to give us any comfort in these machines or processes. The thank very you. fact, this is me, the very fact that the contract with Dominion, Dominion was uh, terminated is good evidence to not use it. Thank you. John Cherry. Hi, John Cherry, uh, First District, Fairview. Hi, Commissioners. Um, I was honored to serve as a, an election commissioner here in this county uh, in, in, in 2016 through 2019, maybe a little before that, but I was honored to uh, witness the election of uh, President Trump. And, um, you know, I, what I hear all over the county and everywhere else that I, I talk to people is that the, the confidence in our voting system is at an all-time low. I think the paper ballots, one-day voting, would be a great way to restore that. This is the most conservative county in Williamson. I think we had 70% turnout, uh, well, actually 80% turnout, but I think Trump carried this county by 70% in 2016. So the people are telling you seconds. they want you to vote no on machines. They want honest elections. Thank you. Next, we have Damon Rogers. Behind Damon Rogers, we'll have Adrian King. Yes, I'm Damon Rogers, uh, born and raised in this little town uh, 73 years ago, and I've seen lots of changes. I am for uh, our election commission buying machines for the main reason that the TCA 2 9109 states that counties that have more than 300 voters per precinct must have an election system, an electronic scanner and tabulators approved by the state election division to tabulate and re uh, report vote totals. I am also a poll watcher and I will tell you I've heard a lot of uh, not, not a lot of truth that has been shared tonight. There is integrity in our election voting. There has not been. 10 seconds. Thank you. There has not been any problems in our election voting. Juneteenth, I am for. Please make us all inclusive and come to Juneteenth on June 17th. Thank you. Thank you. Adrian, Adrian King. <clears throat> Hello, I'm, my name is Adrienne King and I live in District 2 in College Grove. I'm also a graduate of Franklin High School, class of 1992. I'm here to express my full support for the election process as it currently exists in Williamson County. I am one member of the vast majority of Williamson County voters who have no concerns or issues with the current process or current voting equipment. My beliefs regarding the integrity of our election process are grounded in reality. They are based on measurable data provided by the state of Tennessee and Williamson County. I have taken the time to review and understand the information provided by our county with regards to the use of our voting machines. I ask that you vote in support of the purchase request. 
um, please uh, vote to approve. Um, also, I am in support of Juneteenth, and I appreciate all of your service. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak. Now we have Todd Kestner. Behind Todd Kestner will be Margaret Kingsbury, and then we'll have Penny Lukanoff. Good evening, Todd Kestner, District 9. Um, we already have paper ballots for every voter as part of our normal voting process. The voters confirm their vote choices on the screen of the machine that prints the ballot, and then they review their paper ballot before they scan it into the tabulator. The existing paper ballots are 100% auditable. Our election commission does audit through sampling. They've not found errors. They don't count 100% of the ballots, but they could. Y'all could. I suspect the larger concern is what happens with, with the transmission of the data. But importantly, we elect a lot of people in this county. There were 61 races on the last ballot. There were about 1.3 million total votes. So people who talk about, oh, it's easy to count, it's easy to, that I think they're, they're fooling themselves. Shasta County, California is the largest county in the U.S. that's trying to hand count. A lot smaller than us. They just hired seven full-time election workers, added seven full-time, and they're going to hire 1,200 poll workers. Ten so, seconds. That'll be two and a half million. You extrapolate those numbers, it cost us eight million bucks. State law requires reporting the election results the same day of the election. Hand counting precludes that. Hand counting puts at risk the 20-day certification process. Uh, I would ask you to vote for. Thank you. Margaret Kingsbury. I'm Margaret. I go by Peggy Kingsbury, resident of City of Franklin. Please vote yes for the voting machines. I've been a poll worker for two elections for this county. I'd never done that before until I moved here, and my work gave me time to do that. Everything was extremely secure. There is a paper, <coughs> a piece of paper produced. It's not connected to the internet, so no one can take a gizmo and hack into it. Voters were extremely pleased with how the system moved very freely, and they felt very secure about their votes. The majority of the citizens in Williamson County feel very good about our current voting process, so I ask you to vote yes. They are, they, <laughs> Ooh, Start the clock for you, and <laughs> yes, I, I apologize I for the outburst, I, I and I'll ask again that everybody keep everything down to a minimum. Uh, I can't have the sheriff's department uh, clear the room or exit any individuals. Uh, I deal in reality, and the reality was I was a worker for the elections, and everything was secure. Our county has tested paper ballots and found they were less secure than the system that we are considering buying. Our system is, again, not hackable. There is a paper card produced. Everything can be counted by hand if someone wants to do that. And I want to close with this. All of this talk about having precinct voting and voting on one day, people of privilege can have the time off to stand in line all day to vote. How about our many citizens that work in factories and have jobs that they cannot do that? Ten seconds. Child care issues, etc. Please do not make this a county that won't allow everyone an opportunity to vote. Penny Lukanoff, behind Penny Lukanoff, we'll have Don Cunningham, and then, is that Lee Princelet? Hello, my name is Penny Lukanoff. I live in Brentwood, District 7. Um, I just, I have a lot of things I'd like to say after um, hearing some others speak, but I want to say as a citizen, and I also have been a voter and a poll watcher myself, 
I'm disappointed and concerned that a month after this commission voted no on purchasing more ES&S machines, we are back here again, apparently go back over the same issue and to ask the commission to vote yet again. How many times are we going to do this? Um, we have had groups perform thorough analyses on the risks of these machines and the inherent benefits of returning to hand-marked paper ballots with, of course, a scanner um, to read them, at the, just like an ACT test or something like that. At the town hall in January, many very knowledgeable uh, citizens and groups um, described in detail, as some are tonight, the, um, the vulnerability. In seconds of the machines. Uh, we did not hear dem demonstrable evidence um, on why we should buy them. Uh, the citizens don't want, for the most of us, don't want expensive machines that cause long lines. We want elections we can trust. Um, Please vote now. Thank you. Next we have Don Cunningham. Thank you, Don Cunningham, District 11. Uh, a nice lady that spoke right before me made the point that it is state law that voting machines must be used if over 300 people live within a precinct where voting is taking place, which means you guys have to vote that way. Uh, question number one, is that true? Question number two, how do we change that law? What has to be done to change the law that you don't have to have voting machines for, these vo for, this, for voting? Thank you very much. Lee Pruitt, I believe, or Puckett? Or Pricket. Now, hope one of those is right. <laughs> and then behind, so you can be getting ready, we have uh, Diane Cochran and Terry May. My name is Lee Prickett. I'm a Franklin resident. I have 40 years' experience in information technology, including cybersecurity, and it spanned five continents. Um, there are many here who seem to share faith in, in voting systems. I will never share that viewpoint. Um, there is no way these systems can be secured adequately. They are arcane. The architecture is poor. They're purely maintained, purely patched, poorly patched, and they're very vulnerable to, to attack. Even if you think they haven't been, it's only a matter of time. So if you want to save some money out of the budget, do not approve the purchase of additional voting equipment. We should never have ballot marking devices in this county. Yes, they produce a paper ballot, but that paper ballot, which does have a list of your selected candidates, also has a barcode alongside each candidate. That barcode is the vote. In seconds. No way of knowing what is in that barcode. It is a proprietary, unreadable barcode. So what, where is the audit, auditability in that for the average voter? Thank you very much. Sure. Diane Cochran. I have Terry May and then Catherine McKinney. Hi, I'm Diane Cochran. I'm from Spring Hill, and I am uh, I'm in for the per I'm in favor of the purchase of the um, the voting machine, uh, simply because the risk of human error with uh, with hand uh, counted ballots is exponentially higher um, than um, the ballots counted by a machine. Um, now. It, possibly um, an ethical hacker might speak about um, the ease of hacking uh, these machines. However, uh, there's been no significant um, instances of this happening. Our, our elections are, our elections are, are fair. 
they're equitable. So, um, and, and I believe that a machine uh, counting the ballots will make it even more so. Um, 10 seconds. Not to, uh, and let's not even talk about uh, Dominion machines. We know that those are safe as well because Fox News is, Fox News is paying over $700 million in a uh, defamation suit. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, go Juneteenth. And we have Terry May and then we'll have Catherine McKinney and then Bruce Lukanoff. Hi, my name is Terry Mai. Legal name is Teresa Mai. I'm a fairly new resident of Spring Hill. Moved here about two and a half years ago. I had the honor to vote my first election in Tennessee in Williamson County in the midterms. I support the use of electronic voting machines as were used in the election, in the midterm elections in 2022. I thought it worked very well. It was easy to follow the directions by putting the, you know, tapping the screen. I was able to verify it printed out the ballot so that I could verify that all of the people I've voted for and all of the issues I voted for were in fact correct before I scanned that paper. That paper, once it got, that paper ballot, once it got scanned, it got saved into the system. If there were any errors, it was easily trackable, traceable to my voter registration so that they could verify if there were issues, they could check with me. There, I, I absolutely believe that that Electron we should stay in the 21st century. We, we have gone, you know, we're way past, that you is. know, paper. Um, I also would like to suggest that maybe we should open up voting, early voting, to make it more accessible for people who may not be able to get off on election day. Voting by mail should be free and easy to anybody who needs That's or time. wants it. I don't know. Hi. Um, the deputies could be on call. We may have a few uh, individuals who uh, don't remember the manners that we were raised with here in the South and might need to Take a few moments outside. I'll let you know. All right. I'm from District okay, 10, and I am uh, speaking. I'm asking you to vote no on the machines. I'm a refugee from a state that used ESNS machines over time. It got worse and worse in terms of the vulnerabilities. It's a black box. Okay, they don't provide the source code. Okay, it's very hard to audit. You can sample, and maybe you know that will be uh, that will be accurate. But you don't know in the whole. So I will tell you that that state became expensive and dangerous because it was no longer accountable to voters. I attended the last meeting here on these machines. Everyone that smoke spoke was against it. I think you can hear from the audience. Most people are against the purchase of the machines. I don't understand why you wouldn't be uh, concerned uh, and want to represent the majority of the people. So, um, uh, the and the question about the the over the, the the Tennessee statute, it is addressed by an optical scanner tabulator. We can have hand marked paper ballots and an optical scanner, and most importantly, uh, election integrity. And at this point you. in time, nothing's more important than election integrity. Thank you. And our last our last speaker is Bruce Lukanoff. I live in Brentwood. I've been making real-time and embedded systems for 29 years and have been solely focused on cybersecurity for defense articles for the last 11 years. Um, echoing a lot of the things people have said that there's no transparency with these current set of machines. They don't provide even a hardware bill of material, much less a software bill of material. So they are complete 
mystery meat, we don't actually know what is in there. And uh, I would ask that you vote no on these machines. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I apologize both to my fellow commissioners in the audience. There was another page here that we didn't see printed on the back. So we do have a few more speakers. We have uh, William Stewart uh, behind William. We'll have Brooke Anderson, if Brooke will be standing by. And then Robert, or sorry, Robin Steenman. Steenman. William Stewart. My name is William Stewart. And for the last 63 years, I've lived in Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm here to vote or to uh, ask for your vote for the voting machines. Um, one, the election commission is, is trying to fulfill the, uh, to adhere to the state law. Secondly, in a recent study by the, uh, the uh, Heritage Foundation, the state of Tennessee was ranked number one in overall election integrity. And they received the highest uh, score possible on the voting um, machines. The uh, second thing that I would like to say is <coughs> the lowest unemployment rate, I believe, in the state of Tennessee. Uh, we need to keep early voting uh, because it's going to be really hard to get all of our workers the ability to vote if we take away the voting machines. I appreciate your time and consideration. Brooke Anderson. Oh, Brooke Anderson, Franklin. Um, thank you all uh, for previously voting no on funding a system that mainly relies on ballot marking devices. I hope that you continue to vote no on that because uh, there actually is overwhelming evidence that hand-marked paper ballots are better in security, better in cost, and better in terms of uh, waiting time at voting centers. Um, this isn't just my opinion, this is the opinion of lots of voting security experts, and there are actual case studies of in-use systems that show that. It's not just based on estimates. Um, previously, um, we bought a voting system that was dependent at each stage of its process on complicated proprietary machines uh, provided by inscrutable private companies, and we had to get rid of those. And now we're considering whether to buy uh, a voting system dependent at each stage on complicated proprietary machines um, provided by inscrutable private companies. I hope that sir. we don't do that again. Thank you. Robin Steenman. <laughs> Behind Robin Steenman, we'll have Cheryl Brown and then Joanna Carter Haynes. Evening, Robin Steenman, Franklin, District 12. As I was heading out the door tonight, my young son, six years old, asked me, Mommy, why do you have to leave? I responded, so that when you are old enough to vote, you can be certain your vote is counted. That is how we have a free country. Look around, our country is in the throes of cultural revolution, which begs examination of previous revolutions. Joseph Stalin, only 73 years ago, said famously, it is enough that the people know there was an election. Those who cast the votes decide nothing. Those who count the votes decide everything. And we're talking about a black box. Prior to 2020, we were trusting and complacent. And then we saw where that got us. 
seconds. These machines have lost the trust of the people for good reason. I want my son to be free. I want his vote to count. I'm asking you to vote no on the study and no on the purchase of more machines. Cheryl Brown. Hello, my name is Cheryl Brown. I am a constituent of Williamson County, um, Williamson County, uh, constituent here, and I would like to say yes to the voting machines. Williamson County consistently has the highest voting turnout in Tennessee for the presidential and statewide contestants. Voters like early voting as 80% of Williamson County voters use the uh, early voting. Voters like to vote um, in the central on central election day and being able to choose to vote where they live, work, shop, or travel. Voting turnout increased 9% after vote centers were Im implemented. The hand marked paper ballots counted by hand proposal would cost the county over an additional $5 million a year based on Shasta County, California numbers and take three to four weeks to count after election day. It is easier to seconds. commit voting fraud and hand marked ballots, hand counting hand counting is less accurate. Twenty one percent of the batches hand counted in the twenty twenty one election is is in where counted errors by human um, and had been recounted. Thanks again, and I also want you to vote for Juneteenth for Williamson County. Thank you. Thank you. I believe it's Jonna Carter Harris or Haynes. 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 microphone a little closer. My name is Johnna Carter Haynes. I was born and raised here in Williamson County. And first and foremost, I'm speaking from the heart. You've heard why and why not to have voting machines. While I'm sitting here thinking, I want to say vote yes for it. No one asked my son who has a C5, C6 spinal cord injury how he could vote. He can't write. He, he, so he depends on machines on a daily basis to be able to do these things. No one came into my community and talked to any of those elderly people who can't get out and vote. They depend on these machines when we pick them up and take them to the voting polls. We will be set back 200 years if we do not vote yes for this proposal. Juneteenth, I'm all for it. Once again, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my ancestors. And to me, knocking Juneteenth is just like knocking every African American and destroying everything a community can do, um, race, color, creed. Thank you. Okay, that concludes citizen communications. Next up is communications and messages. We do have one late filed resolution tonight, that being resolution 62336. Without objection, we will hear that one. Also, I have a request to move two resolutions up to the front uh, out of respect for those who came on both sides. Um, without objection, we would like to move the resolution on the voting machines, resolution number 28, uh, up to the front. Now, would that have to go after the uh, public hearing? 
Yes. Okay, so it'll be the second resolution after public hearing if there's no objection. The other uh, resolution that we'd like to move up right behind that one is the Juneteenth resolution, resolution number 35. Without objection, we'll hear both of those uh, towards the beginning. I don't, I don't have an objection. Could you mind reading the title of those resolutions instead of just the number? Thank you. First resolution we're asking to move up to the front is resolution authorizing the Williamson County Mayor to execute grant documentation with the State of Tennessee Division of Elections on behalf of the Williamson County Election Commission and appropriating and amending the 22-23 Election Commission by $909,279 revenues to come partially from grant funds and general funds. Without objection, seeing none, we'll move that one. The other resolution is Resolution 623-35, Resolution Revising the Williamson County Personnel Policies to include the Juneteenth federal and state holiday as a Williamson County government holiday. Any objections to moving that one up? Seeing none, we will move that one up as well. We have two proclamations this evening. And the first one, we are going to have Jennifer, Commissioner Jennifer Mason come up and, and deliver. I would like to ask Jerry Helper and members of the district attorney's office to join me at the podium. Before me is a proclamation in honor and in memory of the late 21st district attorney general, Kim R. Helper. Whereas Kim Renee Helper was born September 23, 1959 in Buffalo, New York to parents Don and June Schweitzer. And whereas after high school and college there, she continued her education at Stetson University, graduating in 1993 when she began her law career with the Florida State Attorney's Office. And whereas being licensed in Florida, New York and Tennessee, Kim did serve on several governor appointed committees, including a judicial nominating committee. And whereas in 2008, Kim was appointed to serve as the 21st district attorney general and was subsequently elected to that position three times with a career in public service spanning 25 years. And whereas General Helper suffered a sudden and brief illness and passed away peacefully on March 20th, 2023, surrounded by her family. And whereas the Williamson County community, the Williamson County Bar Association, the Tennessee District Attorney General's Conference, the Morris Hethcock Fraternal Order of Police Lodge, and the entire court system in Williamson County share the loss of General Helper. And whereas General Helper was a mentor, a friend, and a fierce leader to the employees of the office of the 21st Judicial District, and always led under the motto of always do the right thing. And whereas General Helper honorably and ethically served with distinction as she advocated for victims and for equal justice for those in the criminal court system of Williamson County, Tennessee, and she will be dearly missed. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Williamson County Board of Commissioners meeting on regular session this 12th day of June, 2023, that we hereby share our sincere condolences to General Helper's family and our appreciation for her steadfast leadership, wise counsel, and outstanding service to Williamson County.
At this time, I'd like to ask Jerry Helper to join me at the podium to make a few remarks about his wife. Good evening, and thank you, Jennifer, and to the entire uh, board for this proclamation. It means a great deal to us. Um, first, on behalf of uh, our daughters, Renee and Abby, they could not be here tonight, but I know they would be very appreciative of being here. Um, secondly, I want you to know how much Kim enjoyed being a part of this community. We've been here for 25 plus years and she loved being a part of this community. And as importantly, she loved being a part of this team. And she never viewed herself as the person in charge. She was a team member. I would often be out with her and we'd be in my circle of friends when I worked for the Predators. And when I introduced her and someone would ask her, well, what do you do? She would only respond, I'm with the DA's office. And we would go home and I'd say, why didn't you tell them you're the DA? And she'd say, because I'm just part of the team. We're all in this together. And so I know this group has gone through a lot over the last three months as our family has. And I know Kim would be so proud of the work you have done. Uh, she would know you're in great hands with Stacey Edmondson as the DA general moving forward. So thank you for all of your efforts and commitment and support of her uh, going on. Um, Kim was a true public servant in the truest sense of the word. She did not see her job through the eyes of a, pub, of a political lens. Uh, she was not very active on social media. She very seldom held press conferences or issued press releases. She was solely focused on seeking justice for all. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were at a police function and Brentwood Police Chief Richard Hickey said, you know, he, he was at a number of trials with her and they would talk beforehand and it was never about guilt or innocence. He said, Kim always just talked about, we're gonna find the truth here. And that's what we're seeking in every case that we would work towards. Um, I've learned a lot since Kim passed away, a couple of uh, stories that I think are worth sharing. Uh, during her visitation, we had two young ladies and they were separated by probably an hour and a half to two hours that came to us and both had remarkably similar stories where they said, Kim Helper saved my life. I had no voice, I was in an abusive relationship, she listened to me, she got me justice, and I now have a life as a result of that. And to have two of those stories, I suspect there are more uh, that we were not aware of. Uh, and then I got a note from someone in their, their office saying, I just want you to know how much Kim's leadership meant to us during COVID. She stuck up for us to ensure that we were safe in the courtroom, that we were protected, and that we were not put at risk. And those, to me, really showed some of the highlights of her, her character, her integrity, her leadership, and her commitment to doing the right thing, as Jennifer said. Uh, even when it wasn't always the easiest or the most convenient thing, she really did do the right thing all the time. So again, thank you very much for honoring her. Uh, I appreciate it on behalf of the family. Thank you.
Our next proclamation will be delivered by Mayor Rogers Anderson. Mr. Chairman and Commissioners, a uh, little change on script. The individual that was to receive the next proclamation is not able to be with us this evening, but I would like to read the caption in one paragraph. This is a proclamation declaring November the 2023 as Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month. June. Maybe I'm a candidate for this. <laughs> or I need to have my eyes checked. An estimated 6.7 million people aged 65 and over have Alzheimer's disease and another 200,000 people under the age of 65 have younger onset Alzheimer's disease, and Alzheimer's disease is the seventh leading cause of death in the United States and the fifth leading cause among the elderly. And tragically, one in three of our seniors die with Alzheimer's or other dementia. By my signature and acknowledgement that June will be the month that we declare it, I will see that she gets this at a later date, Mr. Chairman. And Mayor, if you'll come back, we have reports of county offices. Chairman and Commissioners, once again, I'll ask Phoebe to come up front and give us a, snout, a snapshot of the county's financial uh, picture. As she is coming up, as many of you know, the latter part of this month, we will uh, wrap up our budget for the 23-24 year, 24 uh, is looking very, very good, and I would like to thank all the budget committee members that have personally served on that. Uh, it is always good to have a year where we don't have a tax increase, but it's even it's it's just wonderful that you go through a total budget the way we have over the last several weeks and months, and so many people's fingers touch that. But tonight is a snapshot of the last 30 or 45 days, and Phoebe, if you would touch on that. Thank you, Mayor Anderson. Good evening, Commission. Um, I would like to report this evening on April. We had a record month for building permits. So I am happy to say that April privilege tax collections were the highest they have been for this fiscal year with a collection of a little over $1.5 million. One major co contributing factor to that was the collection of 608,000 from Spring Hill. I know in the past we've been watching, there's been some months that um, we've received no permits issued for Spring Hill, and the month of April was outstanding month for us. Um, coinciding with that, along the same lines with those building permits was the education impact fee. Our net collections for the month of April was $1.9 million, which is also the highest for this fiscal year. If you take a look at the budget report for the month of April included in your packet, you will see we are well on our way for meeting our projections, uh, our revenue projections for the fiscal year, and we are actually in most areas looking to exceed those projections. So we are wrapping up June 30 will be our fiscal year end, and as we come to those um, balances, we are looking like we are in pretty good shape, so I'm happy to report.
there's any questions or comments, I'd be happy to take those at this time. Riley? Thank you. Thank you, Phoebe. Um, Mr. Chairman, I have had a request from the sheriff to come up and give an overview of the SRO funding program that the state has put in. So if you don't mind, I'd like to have the sheriff dust your roads. Thank you, Mayor, Commissioner, and um, Commissioners. Uh, we were supposed to have information today, <clears throat> excuse me, on the grant funds for the SROs. Well, it didn't happen. I was supposed to be in a meeting Wednesday afternoon about it, but in a nutshell, <clears throat> the grant will allow $75,000 per SRO per school. Now, there are some questions as into, uh, you take like Sunset Elementary and Sunset Middle, they're one campus, but they're two different buildings, so we got to figure that one out yet. I've been told it's going to be one for the school, and then I've been told it's one for the campus, so we'll have to figure that one out. The Alternative Learning Center is still up in there. I haven't heard anything on it yet. Uh, but we're supposed to have this information, like I said, come Wednesday, and uh, there's still some questions out there some, that we have, but like I say, it's $75,000 per SRO. We've got 60 schools in Williamson County that we supply SROs for. So I think that if my math is right, it's a little over $4 million. And uh, any questions? Questions for Sheriff Rhodes? We have one from, uh, from Commissioner uh, Barb Sturgeon. Yes. Hey, I'm just curious, how much does it actually cost to have an SRO officer? Is it well, <clears throat> more or less than 75000 It's more. If we won't, we, we won't, like I said, I, Phoebe would better be able to answer these, but, you know, our salaries just, it, it, our low end is right at $60,000, and then when you do benefits and stuff. So uh, it, won't, it won't cover the full expense, but it will make a big dent in it. Now, also, too, while you mention it, what you don't, it, like I say, if we have any surpluses, I've been told that we can use that towards equipment for the SROs. Are we, do we have 60 SRO officers right now? No. I'm 12 short. I have nobody in the, I have nobody in the hopper. But we'll get money for those 12, as I've been told. Uh-huh. Commissioner Megan Guffey. Hey, Sheriff Rhodes. Has there been any indication that this is a one-time or um, an ongoing? As I have been told, this is uh, reoccurring. Questions for Sheriff Rhodes? I see. Thank you. you. Mr. Chairman, that concludes everything. Answer any questions you may have. You've got a lengthy meeting. Questions for Mayor Anderson? I see none. Thank you. Next up, we have Superintendent of Schools, Director Jason Golden. Thank you, Mr. Chair, Commissioners. Thank you for your work, uh, the, the public service work that you do. Uh, we have a number of items on your agenda uh, tonight related to end of year uh, moves, some of them revenue, some of them expense, some of them intra-category uh, moves, certainly open any questions you may have about those. Uh, I did want to follow up on the Sheriff's comment. Uh, in one of the one of the comments I've often spoken to with respect to SROs in the work we do is that there is no substitute for people. 
uh, by far, that is our biggest number one safety measure, having a law enforcement officer in our buildings. So um, I'm happy for, for, uh, for the work that the state's doing to help support you and your funding and support the sheriff on that as well. Uh, in our world, uh, ordinarily this time of year, uh, talking about school being out, et cetera, uh, we have spent a lot of time talking about what we call the third grade retention law. It's actually described as a promotion law, but we, we call it a retention law. Um, we have, in this past school year, 3,045 third graders. Uh, after all the discussions, some adjustments from the legislature uh, and, uh, and, and all the testing for the first time tests for the third graders, we have uh, 26 of those 3,045 third graders who had to go to summer school as a condition of um, advancing to fourth grade. Um, so it's, it's given where we started, it's pretty incredible. So I'm very proud of our staff for that. That's less than one per elementary school. That's really kind of on in line with the typical discussions principals have with parents at the end of the year about students and their development. Now, the criteria may be a little bit different from what our principals have typically discussed. Our principals typically discuss a lot more detail about a student's progress, um, but, but uh, we're, we're very pleased with that. But the reality is for each one of those, it's a very personal issue. They'll be in summer school the, the month of June. We're actually in our second week of that four-week summer school program. We actually have a little over 1,200 students on our campuses uh, this summer grades rising kindergarten through rising ninth. The state actually added rising kindergartners uh, as, a, as a requirement for us to provide just a couple of months ago. So that, that program is going well at multiple locations, obviously not every single, every single school uh, building. So I want to give you an update on that since at least for us it's been a, it's been a big issue and you may have heard a little bit um, from, from your, our folks. Uh, beyond that, look forward to uh, the continuing meeting and certainly open any questions you may have. Any questions for Superintendent Golden? Yes. Commissioner Mary Smith. Just a quick question. So um, when you're doing evaluation, are we seeing any recurring issues with the rising Thank you. So the question was, uh, and I wasn't sure if your microphone's working, so I'll, re I'll repeat it. We, we live that too. Uh, the, you asked, uh, have we seen any recurring issues with uh, current second graders, the rising third graders? This third grade year for this year was the first time our students took TCAP, the state testing. Second grade did not take TCAP. So we don't really have any apples to apples comparison uh, for where our second graders are. However, we do do some, some state screeners uh, related to that, and we've narrowed down some of the elements of the, of the screeners to project uh, students uh, in, in where, where we may be headed. We have had a number of families on recommendation uh, have their second graders in the summer program to, to give them a little bit of continuous education during the summer so as to, so as to not lose some of the content that they received. Um, we actually also uh, will be providing TCAP for second graders next year, largely because of this, this third grade law, so that the second graders had that opportunity at the least to be familiar with the structure of the test uh, leading up to third grade. Um, so we're, you know, the phrase cautiously optimistic 
uh, about where we are. We've been pretty proud of the work our kindergarten through second grade teachers have done, uh, especially with phonics, what we call foundational skills, uh, that is a concentration point in grades K through two. Any other questions for Superintendent Golden? I see none. Thank you, Superintendent. Next up is the CEO of Williamson Medical Center, Mr. Phil Mazuka. Chair, County Commissioners, uh, I'll give you a quick update on the project and then uh, Mike Genesee will come behind me and give you a financial update. <clears throat> on May 17th, we had our ribbon cutting for our new expansion of our ER. We had some great attendance there and thank you to all of you that had come that day. It was really uh, significant uh, to us. We've been on this road for a year so far and on the 18th of May, we opened the new part of the ER. And the new part of the ER has a larger waiting room. It has 10 exam rooms. But the reality is we won't really see the increase in the number of beds until the end of this year because we're going back and we're taking beds out to renovate over the next several months. Uh, in, our, in our next part of our phasing, we're going to have that eight bed pod that we talked about. And that should be open as of October 15th of this year. Uh, we've opened the uh, new uh, postpartum area on June 5th. And again, that's 11 beds of the total of 17 beds that will be part of the new postpartum area. And uh, we also moved our newborn nursery into that location. As of today, our NICU was temporarily moved into that newborn nursery as well as we renovate uh, the existing structure over the next several months. With that, I'll turn it over to Mike to give you a financial update. Thank you, Phil. Uh, you guys have the financial reports. Uh, as you can see, um, from a volume standpoint down the bottom of the report, uh, April was not one of our more uh, favorable months from the terms of volume. Um, our admissions were down a little bit from our, our average. Our patient days were down. Our surgeries were down. Our ER visits were down as well. Uh, April had a lot of uh, vacations, a lot of uh, spring breakers during that period. So uh, when you see volume down, you're certainly going to see revenue come down as well. Um, you can see above that um, we were a little bit behind on our, our budget from a net revenue standpoint, a little over on our expenses. So that's not a really good recipe there, but we had a lot of uh, non-operating revenue, and that resulted from the sale of an office building that we had. So with that sale, we were able to generate the gain that we did. We had a, a net income of 916000 on a, a budget of $217,000. Uh, you can see the balance sheet numbers there. We, we met our covenants. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to say that uh, year to date, from a budget standpoint, we're about 12% ahead of budget. So, any questions for Mr. Mazuko or Mr. Genesee? We've got a question from Commissioner Jennifer Mason. My question is about the renovations of the hospital. I know part of what is being done is we're actually taking some of the rooms and turning them into uh, psych holds for, for those patients in mental distress. What is the time frame for that? And, and I only ask because I actually got a call last week um, with my job with the DA's office about an unruly patient and it made me think to ask when that part of the project's gonna be completed. So initially uh, in our ER phasing, that was gonna be one of the last phases we move that up to the next phase, and that's the one that'll be done October 15th. Thank you. It's really important based on what we're seeing in our ER today. Commissioner Richards. Uh, as you know, I've 
try and make your monthly meetings. The last time I tried to get into your building, right around the time you've got your monthly meetings, most doors were locked. I guess it's around 6.30. Is that something that's new? I'm concerned about the public being able to get inside to these meetings. I know that we locked the front doors at a specific time. I can't tell you what that is. I'll let you know afterwards. But we then normally have patients come in through the ER entrance after visiting hours. But I don't think visiting hours end at 6.30. So I'll look into that. Yeah, the, it, I don't think at 6.30 they should be. Okay. I'll, I'll look into that. Thank you for that. Any other questions for Mr. Mazuka or Mr. Genesee? I see none. Thank you. Are there any other county offices wishing to report at this time? If not, we will move on to elections and appointments. Many of the commissioners have probably already done this, but for those who haven't, if you'll fill out this form that was on your desk when you arrived tonight, uh, pass it to the center so that Diane can collect these, uh, letting her know if you want a printed copy of the budget booklet or a non-printed copy. We have done uh, this by voice vote. Tonight we're going to try to do it electronically. I believe it helps Amy over there do her job a little more effectively if we uh, do this electronically. So we'll uh, attempt to do that. And the first. If I could have a minute. Oh, and there is a question, too, that needs to be answered by uh, counsel, uh, Mr. Jeff Mosley. Uh, thanks. One of the commissioners asked me before the meeting um, to explain the distinction between the two sets of elections and appointments, the county mayor versus the county commission. Um, the these offices are created generally by statute and how they are nominated will be dependent on those statutes or private acts. So where you get the county mayor appointments, you are simply confirming that by an up or down vote uh, with the nomination from the county mayor. The county commission, uh, you can nominate from the floor uh, on those county commission uh, offices uh, with the the exception of the medical staff representative for Williamson Medical Center, which is again by private act, must be sent to you by the board as a medical staff member. Um, if you nominate someone for the medical Williamson Medical Center Board of Trustees, that person must get two-thirds of the vote by private act in order to be elected, whereas the nominee from the Board of uh, Trustees only requires a majority. So I wanted to explain that very briefly after the question I got from Commissioner Sturgeon um, and be happy to answer any questions on that. Any questions for Mr. Mosley? So we do have a question from Ms. Commissioner Hayes. Mosley. So how do we find out about all these appointments before we're sitting here having to vote on them to see what's coming up? Is there a master list? It just seems like I don't know. We need a little more transparency on that. And maybe I'm just new and I'm ignorant. <laughs> so please enlighten me. Um, I believe there's a list of offices in the back of the rules and of the county commission. Okay. So, and that has, yes. Uh, the ones I'm looking at do. Yeah, and it will be published in the paper with the notice, and it should be on your agenda when you receive it the week before the meeting. Any other questions for Mr. Mosley? 
Seeing none, then we'll move on to elections and appointments. Uh, first up is the Convention and Visitors Bureau, three-year term expiring six of 26. Terms expiring are Matt Lahiff, Paul Webb, and Steve Smith. Nominations are Matt Lahiff, Sean Iola, and Steve Smith. I have a motion from Commissioner Guffey, seconded by Commissioner Mason. Uh, any questions? Seeing none, are we ready to vote? If you're in favor of these nominations, signify by pressing your yes button. Sorry, I have a question from Commissioner Webb. Mr. Chair, on the screen, it's showing that uh, I'm the nominee, which is, is should, really should be Sean instead of me, so I just wanted to point that out, that we're following the written agenda rather than what's on the screen. Clarify, we're voting on the nominations that are on your agenda. And if there are no other questions, if you're in favor of those nominations, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Do we have a district? We do have a question. There's no district listed. And there's no title, which I figured out was Convention and Visitors Bureau, but, or Lahiff, whatever. Do we have a, I mean, does it, it says where he resides, where he resides. It's not a commissioner. So the nominee sheets are sent out to the individuals. Let Diane speak the to this. Individuals who are being nominated receive the nominee sheets to return to us. And if they don't provide that, I, I don't have that for you. I apologize. Uh, Oh, yes. Mr. Lahiff is the um, general manager of the Franklin Marriott Cool Springs, and in that position is why he's being nominated to for re-election. Okay. I read that. Right. Yeah. Any other questions? Seeing none, if we are ready to vote. If you're in favor of these nominations, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whidbey. 23 yes, one abstain. Nominations are appointed. Next up is Emergency Communications District Board of Directors, City of Franklin representative, filling an unexpired term, expiring three of 26. Uh, resigning, uh, which may be better suited to say retiring, uh, Tom Fewborn, am I saying that correctly? Fewborn. Um, and we want to thank him for all his years of service. Nomination is John Walsh. We have a proper motion from Commissioner Guffey, seconded by Commissioner Aaron Nations. Any questions? Seeing none, if we are ready to vote, if you're in favor of these nominations, uh, this nomination signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Nominations are appointed. On to county commission appointments. Independent audit committee, three-year term expiring six of 26. Term expiring is Paul Bolin. Nomination is Paul Bolin. Proper motion made by Commissioner Steve Smith, seconded by Commissioner Megan Guffey. Any questions? 
Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Nomination is accepted. Library Board of Trustees, three-year term expiring 6 for 26. Terms expiring, Amy Baggett and DeLois Bratton. Nominations, Amy Baggett and DeLois Bratton. Proper motion made by Commissioner Guffey, seconded by Commissioner Paul Webb. Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Motion passes. Next up is Williamson Medical Center Board of Trustees Medical Staff Representative. Three-year term expiring five of 26. Term expiring, Jay Cooper. Nomination, Paul Fleeser. Proper motion made by Commissioner Steve Smith, seconded by Commissioner Megan Guffey. Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Motion passes. Williamson Medical Center Board of Trustees, three-year term expiring five of 26. Uh, Term expiring, Judy Herbert, Commissioner Judy Herbert, Commissioner Paul Webb. Nominations, Commissioner Judy Herbert, Commissioner Paul Webb. Any questions? Uh, got a proper motion from Commissioner Steve Smith, seconded by Commissioner Megan Guffey. I have a question from Commissioner Richards. Uh, I would like to nominate somebody else. May I nominate Paul Webb and uh, Commissioner Smith? Paul Webb's already nominated. Yep. So you want to... Uh, nominate Commissioner Mary Smith or Steve Smith. Mary Smith. Um, does that take a second? Okay, we have a motion for Commissioner Mary Smith, uh, presumably to replace Commissioner Judy Herbert. Do I hear a second? Proper second. Be a separate vote. Yes, that seat would have to be voted on separately. So vote on that now as a voice vote. <clears throat> You'll, you'll have to do that by roll call vote because Mary Smith would have to get two-thirds of the body. Judy Herbert would only have to get a majority. <clears throat> okay. Mr. Whitby, I understand we'll have to do a roll call vote on this one. Are you ready for that, sir? Yes, sir. Okay, please proceed. Commissioner Aiello. I'm sorry. Between to Herbert be clear. You're voting between Commissioner Herbert or Commissioner Smith. Commissioner Herbert. Oh, sorry, I was really confused. I'm told you do not have to go in alphabetical order, Mr. Whitby. Okay, and I apologize, because normally I always have that, but I don't know why it's not in my list here. But, all right, we'll start with Commissioner Ricky Jones. Commissioner Herbert. 
Mr. Herbert. I think I need to abstain, don't I, Mr. Mosley? Your choice. You can vote or not. Abstain. Commissioner Mason. Commissioner Herbert. Commissioner Lawrence. Commissioner Mary Smith. Hopstein. Commissioner Webb. Mr. Herbert. Commissioner I'll come back to you, Commissioner Lawrence. Commissioner Morton. Commissioner Herbert. Commissioner Herbert. Commissioner I, although I, I have you as Commissioner Herbert, correct? That's right. Huh. Commissioner Hayes. Spirit of Diversity, Commissioner Smith. Esther. Commissioner Graves. Commissioner Smith. Commissioner Commissioner Smith. Sanford. Commissioner Smith. Commissioner Herbert. Tonicliffe. Commissioner Herbert. Commissioner Torres. Commissioner Smith. Commissioner Bethard, I have you as Commissioner Herbert. That's correct. And Commissioner Steve Smith. Sorry, I want to double check. I have Commissioner Herbert with 14 votes, Commissioner Mary Smith with eight votes, and two abstain votes. Herbert is elected. Thank you, Mr. Whidbey. Now uh, voting on the election of nomination, Commissioner Paul Webb. Are there any questions? Seeing none, if we're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing. Did you change it, Amy? Is it just Paul on the... They're both on there currently. Oh, okay. They're both on there currently. In the interest of time, this vote will be solely for Commissioner Paul Webb, as Commissioner Judy Herbert has already been duly elected. 
If you're in favor of Commissioner Paul Webb as the nomination, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 23 yes, one abstain. Motion passes. On to the consent agenda. Consent agenda. I'll entertain a motion. Motion from Commissioner Tunnicliffe, seconded by Commissioner Smith. Um, any discussions on the consent agenda? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, if you're in favor of passing the consent agenda, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Commissioner Landrum. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Motion passes. <laughs> There's no unfinished business. Uh, we do have a zoning public hearing tonight uh, regarding resolution 623-1, a resolution to amend article 11 of the Williamson County zoning ordinance regarding uses that may be served by non-traditional wastewater treatment and disposal systems. Uh, this is a public hearing that I will now open to the public. This will be for anyone who wishes to speak to this resolution. I'm opening the public hearing now. One last call to speak. Seeing none, zoning hearing is closed. We'll now vote on the resolution. Again, this being resolution 623-1, resolution to amend article 11 of the Williamson County Zoning Ordinance regarding uses that may be served by non-traditional water treatment, wastewater treatment and disposal, disposal systems. Proper motion made by Commissioner Tunnicliffe, seconded by Commissioner Sanford. Uh, Regional Planning Commission was 9-4-0 against. Explanation please, Commissioner Clifford. So next up we're doing is resolution 26, right? 28. And the other one that we moved up was 35. Okay, uh, good evening, Mr. Chairman, members of commission. Um, so the zoning ordinance doesn't allow large lot easement subdivisions to be served by non-traditional wastewater treatment and disposal systems. However, it was pointed out to us that the county's septic regulations don't allow uh, septic to be used where sewer, which in this case would include the non-traditional forms of sewer, is available. Yes, this is really just kind of making sure that those two sets of regulations uh, correspond with each other. And, and this would simply allow uh, large lot uh, easement subdivisions to be served by these non-traditional wastewater systems only if they are immediately adjacent to a wastewater system component. And again, this is to make sure that those two sets of regulations line up. Questions for Mr. Madison. We have a question from Commissioner Sturgeon. I'm having a hard time understanding what's actually happening in this resolution. I, sure. I know, I think I understand what a large lot subdivision is, but what is a non-traditional blah, 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 okay. septic so, system? Yeah, so a non-traditional wastewater treatment and disposal system is a wastewater system that, uh, that treats typically individual developments. So unlike a 
municipally provided public sewer system, the treated clean wastewater that is uh, th that these systems uh, treat is then disposed of into the soil through a drip system rather than uh, discharged into a stream or a, or a water body. Does that help you? So this resolution is allowing large lots to have that type of system? So what this would allow is, is a large lot easement subdivision. And those are subdivisions that are uh, you know, at least five acres in size. They're limited in the number that they can have uh, on a private driveway to tap into an existing wastewater system like this if it's adjacent to some of those system components, but only in that real narrow uh, circumstance. And if they can't, they have to build That is right, yes. You're welcome. Any other questions for Mr. Madison? Uh, question from Mr. Clifford? Is, no. He, uh, he's made the motion. There's no other questions. If we're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Okay, we've moved up resolution 62328, so we'll hear it next. Again, that being resolution authorizing the Williamson County Mayor to execute grant documentation with the State of Tennessee Division of Elections on behalf of the Williamson County Election Commission and appropriating and amending the 2223 Election Commission budget by $909,279. Revenues to come partially from grant funds and general funds. Proper motion made by Commissioner Herbert, seconded by Commissioner Steve Smith. Property committee was 242 against. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. This is to receive grant funds from the state of Tennessee in the amount of $909,279 for voting machines. Any questions? Commissioner Richards. And again, as a reminder, three minutes. Yep, just holler at mm -hmm. uh, My fellow county commissioners, we can do much better than this current proposal, much better. Over the last four or five months, I've been working with Sherman Duda and our election commission to come up with a compromise. We are back here tonight reviewing the same proposal we rejected last month because the Williamson County Election Commission does not want to compromise. They and the state election commission are trying to convince us that all purchasing a machine marked, machine counted solution is the only option available to us. 67% of the country votes by hand marked machine counting voting process. Here in Tennessee, Hamilton County and Knox County also use this process. This resolution, listed as option one of Chairman Duda's worksheet, is a machine marked, machine counted voting option. I know that Chairman Duda had discounts to <coughs> out the difference between option one and option two. But I've confirmed with Sheridan Duda that these discounts from ESNS and financial assistance from the state of Tennessee are just estimates for all of, all other options besides for scenario number one. There's been no confirmation of the discounts for financial assistance. Rather than work through unknowns, I prefer to compare the concrete numbers that make up the gross totals. Because if you look at the discounts, ESNS will give the county a 33% hardware discount on option number one, but only a 13% discount on option number two. That's just bad business. I've asked for a written quote for option number two, but I have not received it. 
that tells me the Election Commission doesn't want to actually entertain any option but option one. The one they presented us last month, which we rejected, and the one they are rehashing again tonight. I guess they think we won't remember that this is the exact same option. Now, we've already rejected the machine-marked machine-counted proposal last month. Why do we not have a resolution for hand-marked machine-counted? It's the more cost-effective option. Let me repeat. Option two is a hand-marked machine-counted voting process. It is legal in Tennessee. State law requires us to machine-count the ballots. Hand-marked, machine-counted. But wait, there's more. Option two includes two ballot marking devices for every voting location provided just for ADA compliance. It is safe to assume not even one EMD will be used at every vote center, never mind two per vote center per election. If we really think we have that high of a failure rate for the BMDs, these machines cannot be used as a backup to the voting process. Then I think we've really underestimated what, how many BMDs we would need for scenario number one. Looking back to 2019, the original contract with Dominion had the county purchasing over 300 BMDs for 23 vote centers, but this current proposal is only for 200 BNBs for 23 vote centers. And yes, there are even more cost-friendly <coughs> options than the two presented here. 20 Hand, seconds. Hand-marked, machine-counted options that could be half the cost of option two, about $800,000 before discounts. There are additional options that require the expensive ballot-on-demand purchase in option two. I think the election commission needs to do more research on these other options or even present us with a resolution for option two before rehashing the same resolution we rejected last month. Time. One more paragraph. The no. proposal for a hand uh, Can't allow that. I'm sorry, Commissioner Richards. All right. Next up, a uh, question from Commissioner Betsy Hester. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, we all want fair elections. We all want our ballot to count. We have differing opinions on how that can happen. I do not believe in any way, shape, or form totally, only hand-marked ballots can be verified, certified, bona fide, qualified, and certified. There is too much human error. If you're talking about a machine having error, that's one thing. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's in Romans 3.23. It is true. All, that's every person. I don't care whether you go to church five times a week or none. All have sinned. That's people. That's people. Also, in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Think about where fear comes from. Thank you. Mr. Aiello. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Chair. My fellow commissioners, under TCA 212-116, it is the Election Commission's exclusive role to select and approve voting equipment for the county. It is the county's role to be the funding body to provide funding for the Election Commission's selection. TCA 2909A 
states that while we are the funding body of the election commission, the election commission is obligated by law to move forward with equipping precincts with voting machines that they have selected. This means that they can move forward with or without this commission's approval. One of the, t uh, the election commission's duties under that same 212.116 is that they are to hire legal counsel to conduct the business of the EC. And they will use that counsel to purchase machines and then sue the county for reimbursement. They have stated in the last meeting they are moving forward with funding these machines. The present statute requires use of voting machines and the election commission to ensure the purchase of these machines. And it has been in effect since 1970s. In 1988, Benton County tried to not purchase machines for their election commission. The election commission declined to fulfill its responsibilities and was sued. They were compelled to comply and the county could not be exempted from a statewide statute regarding the requirement of use of election voting machines. Now, the current statute that's in effect does require that on or after January 1, 2024, each voting machine used by a county election commission must produce a voter verifiable paper audit trail. These machines that the election commission has selected would fulfill that obligation under that, that provision under the specifications of 29101. I have no interest in incurring the additional expense of the county of defending against a lawsuit brought by the election commission that it will lose. I have no interest in losing the million dollars of state grant funding for purchase of these machines and the inevitable credit downgrading that such a legal action would have on the county. Perhaps some would like this commission to ignore law and ultimately raise property taxes to cover what would otherwise be an unnecessary expense but I do not have that interest. I'm voting in favor of this because this is the most cost-effective scenario presented given the state grant funding. And I urge the commission to vote the same. Thank you. Mayor Judy Herbert. Hey, my speech is gonna be short and simple. The, this resolution, the money from this would pay for the voting machines we used in the last election. There was an audit, it was 100% correct. It's a paper trail also. If we do not vote for this and give away almost a million dollars, then that means we're gonna to have to borrow that money to buy another machine. That's gonna raise our debt. How many of these commissioners ran on complaining about our debt? And also it's gonna raise taxes. So if you vote no, when you have to raise taxes to cover another machine, you think people are mad about voting, you wait till you raise their taxes. Some of these new commissioners haven't been through tax increases and they're not gonna be very happy. Thank you. Mr. Sanford. I have a question for uh, Chairman Duda. If you can come up, please. Chairman Duda, in this resolution, um, obviously the commission voted it down last time. We came back, you came back this time with your commission's vote and asking for a six to 12 month study. Why does it take six to 12 months to get a study done? Thank you, sir. Um, first of all, we took the feedback that we heard from the last meeting. Uh, we went back to the floor uh, at our last uh, election or our election commission meeting of May 18th. 
we reviewed all the options again, and uh, we did come back with a purchase proposal that matched what we had previously uh, with a state-funded grant require or, um, and, and asking you to accept that. But we also took the feedback that we received from many of the commissioners who asked for a commitment from the election commission to move towards looking at hand-marked paper ballots in a more substantive way than the way I presented that we would do so. We provided, um, our, our election commission voted to include that commitment to complete a feasibility study to fully understand the costs, resources, and, and not just the material costs or the equipment costs, but the additional considerations that we need to know to be able to make that decision whether to include hand-marked paper ballot as an option for Williamson County residents or make it, make it the whole. Um, in terms of the time to complete a study, I certainly intend to do a study much sooner than, than that period of time. But we are going to go through the procurement process that Williamson County has to hire a third, third party to complete that study. Um, we're gonna go outside to do so. Doing that requires a request for qualifications, development of the, of the scope of work. And uh, that process alone you know, could take two to three months. We just went through the RFP and we know that that, that process with published timelines has to occur. Um, we intend to, to, to bring in a professional third party to help develop a plan specific to Williamson County uh, and identify, like I said, the costs, resources, not just equipment costs, but potentially staffing costs, potentially um, you know, how our vote centers need to be configured to handle uh, hand-marked paper ballot. All of the considerations of a change such as this um, just can't happen overnight. And we, um, our commission discussed it and a, a study is what we believe is necessary. Next, again, taking feedback as well that commissioners were asking for us to commit to that. Um, that's, that's where we are tonight with a resolution stating that um, we commit to that study and to report back our findings to you. Last question for you, sir. <clears throat> Does this commission have your commitment and word that if this study is found to be cost effective and warranted and easily implemented that to allow hand-marked paper ballots, because obviously the, the hundreds of emails that every commissioner up here has gotten, um, the people have spoken. They, they want hand-marked paper ballots. Right. And... Again, I'll ask for silence. I, for one, am not as passionate as those people. But uh, either way. Um, but if they want hand-marked paper ballots, for God's sake, give them hand-marked paper ballots. Um, so do we have your commitment that if this study finds that it's warranted, that the election commission is going to recommend and implement hand-marked paper ballots for these people? I'm not in a position to commit to something without the full knowledge of all of the aspects of it. Uh, the, excuse me, the, uh, the election, it's the election commission is tasked with conducting the elections for Williamson County, and we are tasked with doing them with excellence and and to execute on that to the best of our ability. I can't recommend that method in Williamson County today. I provided you a letter last month, month um, 
explaining why in our considerations at this time. I am committed absolutely to looking at every aspect of elections continually, not just tonight and not even after a study like this. We always have to respond to what's available to us to be able to produce uh, elections that, that people can count on in Williamson County. That's number one. But um, absolutely, I commit to you that a study like that, the Election Commission will review with the intent of identifying what is necessary to be able to bring in hand-marked paper ballots into Williamson County. As for that, that's the extent of what I can commit to. Commissioner Mary Smith. I got one more comment, sorry. That's fine. Mary Smith. So I guess probably just reiterate what you know, Commissioner Sanford just asked. Really what we're getting is we're just getting a, if it's possible to do a hand-marked paper ballot, not how we would implement a hand-marked paper ballot. Is that correct? No, you're getting a how to implement for Williams, how Williamson County Election Commission could implement the hand-marked paper ballot is is the intent. But secondly, I want to re remind everybody that the configuration, and, we, and the commission discussed this at length at our last meeting, the configuration that we are requesting tonight has the capability of adding on the ability to add hand-marked paper ballots. So if we go that direction, we would have the tabulators that can receive a ballot either produced by a ballot marking device or hand-marked paper ballot in our vote centers. So we are, in essence, building upon the possibility of that, um, not just with a study, but with the equipment we're asking to vote this evening. So the equipment that we're looking at though right now is to basically equip 25 vote centers for the 2024 elections. But what we have immediately in front of us is just the city of Franklin elections. So is it not possible to just get the funding that we need to execute the elections that we have coming up complete that study, and at the end of that study, if we have the ability to add to this configuration the ballot-on-demand option, which, as Greg said, a lot of our folks are asking for, overwhelmingly asking for, I would prefer that too. If we have that option, wouldn't it be better to request the money from the state that we need right now to equip for this upcoming election, and then after the study is over, look and see what the configuration looks like, and then ask for the remaining funds that we need? based on that configuration? Um, that's certainly a possibility, but, I, but the, the economics of what we have presented to you are that we have a grant funding to replace the ballot marking devices and equipment that we had to replace as of the state's decision. As was mentioned, we had 300 ballot marking devices, but that was whenever we had 45 precincts, not when we had 23 vote centers. Um, we are asked, we, the, the state has uh, provided this grant to us to replace what we had lost. Your scenario of only purchasing less, we would have less grant monies. And secondly, in terms of the economics of the decision today, if we do not follow through with a purchase with, with ESNS, uh, we have a lease payment due for February or March to July of $138,000, which is greater than the purchase price today of the for Williamson County of $116,000 to receive the full complement of equipment that would have replaced what we had to replace from, from Dominion. It's using, securing election equipment for city of Franklin would certainly be less than uh, the full component that we 
have have in house today. Um, but we would, like I said, economics wise, pay more for the possibility of maybe purchasing less. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know how to answer. I'll sit Yeah, I mean, I would like to see the numbers on that, though, like specifically, like how much we can get of the grant money. But I think at the end of the day, really what we have here is a trust and transparency issue. Um, we have some folks that trust the machines. We have others that don't. I think that it's to do our due diligence, to really abide with what the people are requesting, we need to find a way to implement a hand-marked paper ballot and include the scanners, which are mandated by the state. Um, both the ballots should be the same. I walk in, I get the same ballot as the person that's using the BMD. The ballot should look the same at the end of the day. No barcodes. Everything goes into a tabulator, gets counted, can get certified, and we've not violated any state statutes, and we've also given the voters what they're asking for. So that's what I would really recommend um, and do that as part of the study. Um, and that the outcome from that study would definitely include a hammer paper ballot option. Commissioner Lawrence. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Good evening, Jonathan. Thank you for being here. And, and thank you again, everyone, for coming out tonight. And thank you for all of you to, who um, emailed us. We, we definitely uh, have a lot of, of concerns on this issue. Uh, we have heard you, as you've heard from some of our fellow commissioners. And, and I, I did hear, you know, one of the, the speakers tonight um, ask a good question. It, it seems to me a little backwards to purchase a system and then do a study. And, and uh, some, some of the, here, and beyond just the scope of paper ballots, here, here's all the issues that I've heard and I've, I've written down that, that have come to us in either emails or some of the speakers tonight. You know, first of all, I brought up at the last meeting accountability. We didn't have accountability in the Dominion contract. Are we going to have accountability in the ESS contract? We probably don't know that until we know they're going to agree to whatever terms we want to, to uh, ask them to put into the contract. Uh, Commissioner uh, Stresher brought up the issue of, of forensic audits, making sure that they will allow us to do those types of audits after an election. Again, that needs to be in the contract before we sign it. Are we are sure they will agree to it before we, you know, we, we sign on the dotted line? I don't think, I think the answer to both of those questions right now is no. Um, beyond that, you know, there's, there's the issue of the ballots, um, whether we do pre-printed ballots or ballots on demand, what are the costs of those? Are they less expensive, more expensive? I mean, th these are the, you know, we don't really have the numbers on that. We've heard uh, from various sources that the, the cost would be a lot lower. But if we did a study by an independent third party that gives us the actual number, I think we would feel better about voting on that. Um, again, uh, network security and internet connectivity, another couple of things that, that have been brought up, uh, vulnerabilities to the, the systems and the software. So um, I, if we're going to do a study, it seems to me that we need to include all of those things in, in the study and, and make the study very comprehensive and address all of the issues that have been raised before we make a decision on what we're going to purchase. And it, with, with one small election coming up later this year, it seems to me that we have time to do that before we make a decision to, to purchase this. Um, and, and, you know, all leases are negotiable. I'm, I'm just wondering if we can extend what we've got for a while, um, if we can negotiate with, with ESS a little harder on what we want and what we expect from a, a, a new system. Um, 
Well, thank you, sir. Um, first of all, I've heard it before. I've heard it from others. Um, there is a process in place for our, our machines to be inspected and have a forensic audit, as you said, and as you asked last month. Uh, we actually utilize that process for the city of Franklin election in October 2021, and that is uh, the state division of elections and then also through the assistance of the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, who have certified voting uh, voting system testing laboratories that have the ability to forensically audit and inspect the machines down to the nuts and bolts and down to every single code. They have the resources and the capability to do it. That's the way this process is set up. So we absolutely already have, and we do have forensic audit capability. If you're asking for the ability to bring in whoever we choose to do an audit, um, that is not the process. The process is the, 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 the election vendors are certified through the USEC, and they are the ones that have those resources available. We don't have coders. We don't have, I'm just telling you, there's a process in place today for forensic audits. Um, secondly, the, again, the, if the, in any scenario of a hand-marked paper ballot, implementation in, in, in the city, or I'm sorry, um, in Williamson County, uh, would require 70 tabulators that have that ability to do that. And that's in our request. That's, that is our request for purchase. Um, we do agree with you that we need to fully understand the numbers to implement, specifically in Williamson County, Handmarked paper ballots, whether it's an option or the primary voting system here locally. And that's why we're asking for that study to be able to, that feasibility study to completely address several of the questions that have come up here. Um, lastly, if you look, the, 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 the 200 ballot marking devices that we are requesting are to replace what we already have and the state is providing us a grant to do so because it was their decision that we could not use the previous vendor that we had purchased those machine those materials from um that's i agree with you regarding understanding the numbers that's why we've come back with a commitment to do the study as was asked by a number of your commissioners commissioner stresser first of all Thank you for being here tonight. And I want to thank everybody else for, for being here. You know, we all share one thing in common and we do want to see fair elections. We're all concerned about election integrity. At the last meeting, I brought up a question about, do we have a provision in the contract to have an independent auditor with, you know, the software source data, hardware, everything they need to do these inspections unannounced whenever we want them? just to make sure we don't have any issues. And at the last meeting, we learned that our legal counsel had not put that in the contract or proposed that. We learned that the election commission had not thought about that or proposed that. And um, you know, we talked about why that's so important because it's the only way you can really inspect what you expect. You've gotta be able to have this on the tail end. So it was interesting. And then we had our property committee meeting and I asked Mr. Cook about this and he said, well, I'm putting the language in there, 
And I said, well, that is, that's great. But do we know what their response is going to be? Do we know what the final language is going to look like? And it feels a little bit like, we probably remember this notorious uh, comment by Nancy Pelosi back in 2010, because when they were debating Obamacare, and she basically said, well, we've got to pass the bill before we see what's in it. And it, it really does feel a little bit that way with all due respect. Um, I don't think we should ever be in a position as a commission to vote on anything until the final contract is completed so we can see everything that's in it. It just doesn't make sense. We have, I have the pleasure of serving with a lot of very good business people, attorneys, and I'm very confident that they probably won't allocate major funding without reviewing a contract and its completion first. Thank you. Mr. Tunnicliffe. Chairman Duda, thank you very much, not just for being here this evening, but for all the work that you and your commission does. I know you could spend numerous hours working through this and coming to public meetings. I also want to thank Chad Gray for the amount of work that his team does, which is amazing, um, always has been. I get, I've received emails like all of us I, I dispute the numbers that some have said tonight. I dispute some of the data that's in the emails we receive. I have counted the emails I've received from unique individuals, not from multiple people sending multiple, e same person sending multiple emails. Since May 9th, I have received 62 emails in favor of voting machines. I have received 111 not in favor of voting machines. You think, that's impressive, it's 173 emails. I take all of that, <laughs> it is 0.092% of registered voters in Williamson County. If I take those that are just against voting machines, it is 59 hundredths of a percent. We're not even at 1%. So when I get emails saying the preponderance of residents, the majority of residents, we don't even have the majority of residents that are in favor and against them. If I take all of them, we're not even at one-tenth of one percent. We're the ones that show up at the voting. So then I hear in our emails, well, we worked for the Republican convention. By gosh, it'll work here. Well, we had 609 voters at the Republican convention with 19 unreadable votes. My numbers come out to 3.12% failure rate. We look at that and we go, hmm, well, let's take that against the votes cast in November of 22. That's 2,684 votes that would have been thrown out or had to go back and chase somehow. I don't even know how you do that. I, my point here tonight is not that we have a majority, we don't have a majority. It just, this has worked, it has worked well. I am proud of the work that the county has done, the commission as well as Chad's staff. I think they do yeoman's work, it's amazing. Um, and, I, and I do appreciate everyone's input. I read every email that comes in. Um, and thank you for that on both sides. But in closing, I, I have to, after listening to Sean Aiello's amazing statement, I have to agree wholeheartedly that I am going to vote yes this evening. Thank you. Commissioner Sturgeon. Um, thanks for being here, Jonathan. I know you're in the hot seat. But uh, um, did anybody on the election commission talked with 
any of the other counties that are using hand-marked paper ballots right now? Have you guys, or, or is this like, it, it kind of feels like it's an afterthought that to e, 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 yes. Yeah. So do, did you all evaluate hand-marked pa hand paper ballots? We did. Part of the thing that I want to do in the study is actually observe it, actually see that, see it occur. Um, it, Hamilton, Shelby, Murray now has, uh, has, has done that. Um, the feedback we have gotten, an election administrator told me on the phone, if you have any chance not to do hand-marked paper ballots, don't do it. I mean, that's... What, what county was that? Shelby County. Um, that, that, that is, that, that, yes, we've gotten the feedback. We've, we've gotten the mixed results. We've seen the data. I've looked at the, you know, the actual, you know, experience. In Shelby County, they give their voters an option to vote by hand-marked paper ballot or ballot marking device, the same system that uh, we I, I simply don't understand that. What I mean, mean? It, it's kind of like saying a, a, a bank who handles how you deposit your checks says, well, you can use this system if you want, or maybe this other system if you want. No, they find the most secure system and you're forced to use it. So I don't understand letting people choose unless it's ADA, you know, unless they need their handicapped and they need that extra help. I mean, I think you need to pick the most secure. The most secure is more important than the most convenient. Banking, banking system, the banking system is definitely pick the most secure system and it's it's electronic in our banking system um, but 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 having a choice so that voters have the ability to vote in the way that they prefer uh, I think fundamentally is a question we need to be able to ask, answer and 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 look at. And in Shelby County, they have that option. Every voter has that option. And less than 5% of voters chose the hand-marked paper ballot option. Oh, I also that, understand that, is something we're considering that was partially as well. because a lot of people didn't know they had the option. It wasn't, it wasn't advertised. That, we're not, we are not Shelby County. And that right, is... Right, right. So, but th if you're th going to use fair. that as a reason, then you got to have to understand why only 3 or 5% chose it. I mean, if they weren't, if people weren't, explained that they had that option, then that would, I don't want to make the decision here based on something that went foobar in Shelby County. Well, the, the second election that they had since they've had that ability, the number went down to 3%. So, you know, as voters be, are become aware that that's an option, you would expect that to go to increase. We are seeing mixed data, and that's one of the reasons we, we have reached out to the uh, election commissioners or other election um, in Tennessee as well as outside of Tennessee to get feedback. One, one last uh, concern I have is the contract I understand is confidential, so we're not even allowed to see it. Is that true? No, that's not true. Um, the The RFP that was provided to us um, included sections marked expressly as confidential. And a commissioner asked me for a copy of the RFP. And in, in prudence, I reached out to um, our council to say which portions of this should be sent or not. And they actually sent the whole entire RFP. That's what occurred today. The entire RFP was provided to the commissioner. That Why requested should any it. part of the contract be confidential? Not a contract. The, the RFP, I'll, I'll let the trade information that is confidential under Tennessee law and can be redacted from public documents. 
proprietary and trade information, if there is information contained that is specific to that system or that industry that is such that it would give a competitor an advantage for it to be disclosed, it is called a trade secret under Tennessee law and it must be kept confidential. Well, I would like to see the contract. <laughs> but this isn't the contract that he's talking about. The contract is off a state contract for this, by the way, that will be modified by a writer with Williamson County as we negotiate it. Contract's not the been contract's entered. contract's not This is an authorization to apply for the grant and to execute the necessary documents. The contract has not been negotiated yet. Contract won't be confidential. No, it's a public document. Yes. Yeah. Commissioner Hester. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I would like to say that I received many emails from constituents who said they wish to have machines. Uh, am, I, am I speaking before another commissioner has had an opportunity? Uh, I apologize. I yield. Yes, sir. <clears throat> so we are to Matt Williams, Commissioner Matt Williams. Thank you, Jonathan, for being here tonight. Um, a lot of passion in the room tonight. <laughs> I, you know, I said this last time. I've not looked at this as a zero-sum game all along. I think there's, you know, really the machines are a tool of convenience, right? They provide accessibility, a convenience for people to vote. It allows us to tabulate the results quickly. Um, there's a lot of benefits that come with the machines. At the same time, there's intangibles that come along with hand-marked paper ballots because I think it gives people confidence that you've got non-manipulated machine tally, you know, ballots out there. Um, I believe there's a way to incorporate both of these. Um, what I think what my ask is, and I have, I have no reason to question uh, the election commission. I, I trust you guys inherently. There's been nothing that's ever come across my perspective to make me think otherwise. Um, what my ask is, and, you know, we had a very detailed conversation a couple of weeks ago. I think you said I was rivaling Commissioner Torres and some of the details that we were getting into. Um, what my ask is, is that if we move forward with this and with this consulting firm coming in, that we look not just at hand ballots, being incorporated in the process, but I want us to evaluate the full process post-election. Because at the end of the day, whatever the process is, I want to ensure that the truth will always be known. And that, and that that process is an infallible process, even if we use fallible equipment, right? Because errors and glitches and mistakes can happen, right? But that the process as a backdrop will always ensure that the truth will be known. Right then, and ultimately, that's what's important to me. And I think the hand ballots incorporated in the process is a way of ensuring that, right, and giving some trust and confidence to the people that don't trust the machines, no matter what, right. But I'm asking for your commitment on that too. Um, that we can at least, I want us to have that full evaluation of the full process, not just limited to hand ballots being incorporated or not. But what within statutory limitations can we also incorporate into our auditing process post-election, right, to make sure that the truth will always be known and verified? Can I, get, can I get your commitment on that? Absolutely can, 
It's what we do, we do every day. But in this particular instance, as we look to the future for what we're doing for Williamson County, that's a absolute the fundamental component of that. But I will make sure that in this study that that is specifically addressed. I want to thank again, Jonathan. I know this is not a pleasant place to be in the hot seat, and I appreciate that you're open and um, and standing there and just taking the questions. And thank you to the Election Commission. I know you guys work hard. Um, it's an important job that you do. Also to fellow commissioners, it's healthy debate, and I appreciate that. And I extremely appreciate all the emails both for yes and no votes, because this is America. We're free to be able to say what we want to say. And we are, we have a right and a privilege to have elections that are fair and free. And this is given to us by our founders. And so having machines, and I have been anti-machine for over 20 years. I asked for paper ballots when we first got machines way back when I lived in Texas. And I don't like them. There is ample evidence, and I don't need to reiterate everything that some of the experts have said about how they are hackable and they're fallible. And a paper ballot is hand-marked by my hand with my name on it. And so if there's a problem, I can go back or you guys can go back and say, hey, the scanner says X, but we have a problem. So let's go back and hand, let's audit those hand-marked ballots. So I'm all about hand-marked ballots. I remember back with the hanging chads. I never had a problem punching my holes back in Gwinnett County in Georgia. Never had a problem with it. But, you know, there are people who do. Hey, it happens. And, you know, nothing is without problems and without maybe issues. But with that said, um, I, I want to... Uh, reiterate some things Commissioner uh, Stresser said, that we can agree to review the contract. And, you know, I think we have a right to look at that contract before we agree and vote on purchasing something. Let's look at, just like Pelosi said, we don't need to vote yes to then see what's in it. I'd rather see what's in it now. And that's just me. Um, and I speak to constituents every single day at my lovely little 95-year-old store, every day. And yes, they ask me because they know I'm known for the elections. It was a very important issue to me. And all across this county, and I talk to everybody because they come from not just this county, but outside, they say, I moved here. We have a lot of those people who've moved here, the refugees. And they're like, I moved here because, God, I thought this was a red county and we could count on honest and free, fair elections. And I'm hearing that, oh my God, we have these machines and we have the Tennessee error with the Dominion machines and on and on. Anyway, won't reiterate. But they want, they want fair and free elections and they want it to be transparent and they want hand-marked paper ballots that again can be used with a scanner to make the process quick. And if we need to go back, we have my hand-marked vote right there on that piece of paper. Um, you know, I think studying, it's a lot of money for what we already know the truth to be. But if you got to do it, I'd rather know before we make a huge purchase. And I think the state would, would respect our choice to understand what we need to do and what's fair and right. And at the end of the day, what do our county taxpaying residents want? They want fair and free, honest elections. And... I'm sorry, but I'm also married to a cybersecurity expert. And I was standing here in this room in June of 21 when the election commission was up on the seats. And we stated, these systems are hackable. There are problems, major problems. And, you know, I mean, it goes without saying, 
we got to do right by our people at the end of the day. We just have to do right by them. And I count on you to take another look at this respectfully. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. I wanted to thank all the folks that have emailed. Y'all have shed light on some issues that perhaps many of us didn't see, uh, and particularly Mr. Frank Limpus. I've had a sit down and phone calls and appreciate your level of expertise, and I think you're kind of heralded as an expert here. So thank you all for doing that. I think having learned more and and what the election commission is proposing, I, I feel like we're in a step in the right direction. And I think having heard Chairman Duda and where he would like to be and where the election commission would like to be, it's not a simple switch that we would flick to make it happen. But I think we're going down the right path. But like Commissioner Sanford and Commissioner Williams, I, I do want to see some commitment to doing that and some of the language in the resolution gave me a little bit of concern and I just wanted to offer an amendment to it if we can entertain that particularly the second paragraph after the whereas the one that begins and be it further resolved the language expressed is more like a proclamation as opposed to a resolution and I wanted to offer the amendment to change the language from endorses the intent of the election commission to the county commission expects the election commission to obtain a feasibility study concerning the addition of hand-marked paper ballots and to report that conclusion to the commission. Second. entertain any questions pertaining to the motion which is now to remove endorse and correct me if I'm wrong here Commissioner Clifford endorses the intent and change to expects the election commission to obtain a feasibility study concerning the addition of handmarked ballots which is intent to report the conclusion and to report the conclusion to the full board commissioners that is the uh, almost the, it is the last paragraph and be it further resolved is where we're making that change if uh, the motion uh, should pass. So that is the motion. Is that correct, Commissioner Clifford? That's correct. Moving the intent language to it. expectations. It was seconded by Commissioner Smith. Uh, any questions pertaining to the motion, not to the uh, resolution, but to the motion? I've got a hand raised um, from Jennifer Mason, so we'll start with her. Commissioner Mason. This is more of a legal question for, for legal counsel. Can we, as the funding body, direct the election commission to do anything? Because my understanding is they're an independent operating body. We are just the funding mechanism. So can we legally even direct them uh, as Commissioner Clifford is requesting? I think the language he uses still says expects them to fund that and to report. I do not think it's a direction. And no, I do not believe you have the opportunity to direct the operations of the election commission. <clears throat> if, if I may, um, and this may be helpful, 
this new language is consistent with what the Williamson County Election Commission actually voted at at our election commission meeting. We voted to commit to complete a study and report our findings to the county commission. Commissioner Aiello. Thank you for that, Commissioner Aiello. Commissioner Hester on the amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, the town of Thompson Station wishes to have a referendum next month on annexation. So is this, can we change this language with this amendment? Is my question, can we, what can we legally do to accommodate Thompson, the town of Thompson Station and their referendum. This would not change the time frame of purchase and or study in that it just changes the expectation level as to the conducting that study. So this would not impact on the referendum. Any other questions on the amendment? I'm not seeing any. Are we ready to vote on the amendment? Is the amendment loaded? The amendment appears to have been loaded to remove, endorse, and change to expect. And we already have the motion and the second. So if we're ready to vote, do you need another motion for the computer? There we go. Yeah. Brian Clifford made the motion, Commissioner Steve Smith seconded it, and I think now we're ready to vote. If you're in favor of the amendment, there we go. Ready to vote now. If you're in favor of the amendment, press your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whidbey. 21 yes, 3 no. The amendment passes. We're on to the resolution now as amended. Any questions on the resolution as amended? Commissioner Sanford. Jonathan, I, I, again, I, I'll be quick. Thank you for all that you and your team does. Um, and I believe you do it for free. Um, <clears throat> Not exactly. We get paid per meeting. Kind of like I do. Um, it comes down to dollars and cents here, unfortunately. Um, if we vote, no. Do I think that the election commission file something with chancery court? I don't think y'all will. Um, maybe you do, maybe I'm wrong. I just don't think you will. Um, <clears throat> but what does that mean? Um, if we vote yes, we get almost a million dollars from the state of Tennessee. Every commissioner up here is charged with the fiduciary responsibility of, of responsible spending uh, for the citizens of this county. And You've heard the people, I'm not going to beat a dead horse, they want hand-marked paper ballots. You and your staff, get them hand-marked paper ballots, simple. Um, but I think this comes down to dollars and cents. If we vote yes, we get the million dollars, um, and I hope that your study doesn't take 
six to 12 months. Um, if we vote no, what does that mean? Maybe you go to Chancery Court, maybe you don't, but then we miss out on the million dollars. I think it would be irresponsible of this commission to not take the million dollars from the state. Well, that's my opinion. Um, that's where I'm at. Commissioner Smith. Had to be um, thrown out. I, I don't know that they were thrown out, but in the what happened with those 19 votes? Were they able to fix their vote at that time? Yes, they they, they were 19 votes that had to be cured. They the voter had to revote. Okay, so today you do have a handmarked paper ballot option, right? It's the absentee ballot. It's watermarked. We can request that. Um, we have to come in, show an ID, if I understand correctly, the first time we request it. Why is it then, if we come in as early voting, if it's an extension of that, why would I not be allowed to get a handmarked paper ballot today if I come in during early voting and request that? Well, absentee, early voting is not an extension of absentee voting. Convenience center voting is a direct extension of early voting, the same technology, the same premise of going to, to any early vote center to vote is the premise of convenience center voting where you can go to any convenience center location to vote. Uh, it's the same technology that we use. But for absentee ballot, um, there's a whole provision in state code about that thick about absentee ballots, how they're handled, how are they, how they're requested, who can qualify for them, um, and and how they are to be processed, counted, and um, uh, that's separate from uh, election day voting or early voting. But they are tabulated though, right? There is a machine that actually reads them. Correct. We, so we, 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 we use a tabulator, the same tabulators we're requesting to purchase uh, to tabulate the or, or to scan the absentee ballots, yes. So we do have a handmarked paper ballot option. Um, today I have to request this via mail. How difficult would it be to actually allow someone to come in and request that handmarked paper ballot when they come in to the voting center and have that option available to them and then have it follow the code once I actually, so instead of requesting it and getting it by mail and making my choices, I come in and I make my choices there and it's ready for it to be counted. Right. Um, we, we believe it can be done. I don't have all the answers to what is involved, every aspect of it. That's the purpose of the feasibility study. But there's complexity when a voter does use a handmarked paper ballot. There are multiple ballot styles. Whether you're doing precinct voting or you're doing um, convenience center voting, you have different styles. You have inside Franklin city limits for Franklin Special School District, and you have outside Franklin. I mean, you, you, there are multiple ballot styles. Serving the correct ballot to an individual, having them hand mark and 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 vote that, um, does produce then the opportunity for them to cure it when the when the tabulator, which is programmed to, for instance, county commission race, vote for two in a district. If somebody accidentally voted for three, they would have the opportunity. The the, the ballot scanner would return that. I, there are, there are certain. I, I'm guess I'm getting way into the weeds. Maybe to answer your question, it's just it's very similar. But there are um, there are resources and, and and costs that we need to understand. Be able to endorse 
moving to a, a system like that. Okay, so that's one question to answer. We already do have the ability to provide a handmark paper ballot. How we provide that and how that process works maybe still needs to be studied. But we already do have a handmark paper ballot available. Um, I think one of the things that you know has been mentioned, and obviously this is a very emotional issue for many people, because I do believe, for you, I'll also speak for myself, casting my vote is an emotional decision for me. And I think being able to do that by hand does give you a connection. Um, I don't know. I know we have a we have a paper ballot that comes out from the BMDs. I don't know how many people check their, their ballots before they actually put it in the tabulator. But I am aware that there has been errors found in actually clicking on the, the, the BMD yourself and then having that come out. I know people have said it firsthand that they've made one selection, another selection was made for them. I have seen studies where only 20% of voters actually check their ballot before they put it into the tabulator. So we really have no way of knowing what the failure rate is of getting the person's intent when they're using a BMD. However, if we are using a hammer paper ballot and we are making the selections directly, if we take it to the tabulator and there is an error, we would be able to fix it at that moment in time. So we could self-adjudicate. That's not a possibility with the BMD because once it goes into that tabulator, you just hope that what you selected was, was actually on that ballot. So I do see the vulnerabilities there, but I trust your election workers. I trust you. You all take oaths. You take an oath to uphold the, the county, the state, the laws of this country. I don't know the people who program these machines. I don't know the people who assemble these machines. I don't know if they take an oath or not, but I do know that the people that conduct our elections here in Williamson County are trustworthy. And I do think that is something we need to consider. And I think what we've said about contracts, how those contracts are written, is very important to uphold that trust and transparency. We'll never have 100% voter confidence, but that should always be our goal. And again, I appreciate all the emails, all the research. I know how much time has gone into this, and I can't tell you how much it's meant to me and hopefully to the rest of you, the work that you all have provided. Thank you. Thank you. As an attorney, I very much enjoy debates. I enjoy spirited debates and However, looking at the people who have selected to speak, it seems like we are recycling the same speakers. So at this time, I would ask a call for the question. Second. We'll start off with a voice vote. All those in favor of calling the question signify by saying aye. 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 Any opposed? Resolution or the motion passes. The uh, question has been called. So we are at the point of voting for the resolution as amended. Once it gets loaded, if you're in favor, press your yes button. If you're opposed, press your no button. No, we are voting on the resolution as amended. Resolution as amended. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 16 yes, 8 no. Resolution passes. If it's okay with my fellow commissioners, I'd like to do one more resolution and then we'll take a short recess. There are people here that came to hear the Juneteenth resolution. 
Uh, if there are no objections to that, we'll go on to that resolution. And then I know we are all in badly need of a recess, so we'll take a short one after this resolution, if that's okay. Seeing no objections, resolution 623-28. Resolution, no, I'm sorry. Resolution 623-35, resolution revising Williamson County personnel policies to include the Juneteenth federal and state holiday as a Williamson County government holiday. A proper motion made by Commissioner Mason, seconded by Commissioner Guffey. Human Resources Committee was one in favor, three against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Morton. Uh, yes, everyone, I'm proud to bring this resolution before this body. Uh, this will allow our county employees to join their state and federal counterparts in celebrating Juneteenth as a paid uh, legal holiday. Question from Commissioner Webb. Uh, I'll have to abstain due to my position as ARPA accountant on this a resolution. Noted. Any other questions? Commissioner Mason. I would just like to speak to the resolution as a whole and just give you all something to think about because I know there's been debate about this in committee. My understanding is that this is a federal holiday. It is a state holiday. And so my line of work, it's a little odd. I work in the courthouse. And so just to kind of give you guys an example, all the circuit court judges and their staff are state employees. All the public defenders are state employees. All the district attorneys are state employees. The clerks are county employees. The general sessions judges are county employees. And juvenile court services is county employees. And so my vote is to vote yes on this resolution simply because it is very difficult, especially in government offices, to have state and county holidays not coincide. Because if this resolution were to fail, for example, come Monday, the courthouse would be open, but there would be no circuit judges. There'd be private attorneys, but there'd be no public defenders or prosecutors, but there would be clerks. And it'd be a very uh, odd set of working conditions. And so I, I want you all to think about that, or I would urge you to think about that when making this decision, um, simply because it's already a federal and state holiday coinciding with a county holiday would make government functions much smoother. Thank you. Commissioner Hayes. Um, I just wanted to comment because we, we did have a lot of discussion in committee and um, my reason for voting no, I'll be very honest, as I spent 26 years in human resources, and I have had to make decisions on adding holidays, taking away, uh, changing policies, procedures, everything. And there was discussion about the fact that we are not competitive from a benefit standpoint for vacation, as well as holidays for many other counties. Now, I understand this is a federal and state holiday. I respect that. But my, from my perspective, and I know several of my other colleagues in the room discussed so why should we have to be forced to follow a federal and state guideline, number one? Number two, I'm looking at my constituents and saying, okay, so in the spirit of diversity and, and looking at other people, I have no issue with Juneteenth. Let me just put that on the table right there. It's more so looking at if we're going to add a holiday and we're going to have to pay for that as a county and as our constituents ask them to pay for that, why not give our employees the option of having a floating holiday where they can use it? Because I've, I've faced this. I have literally faced this where I've had my Jewish colleagues when I was in human resources say, why don't we ever get a holiday? We have Christmas. We have this. We have that. Why can't we have a holiday? And and I respect that. And I said, okay, well, you know what? That changes my mindset on when we were looking to assign a holiday and we made a floater. Now, I know that that's maybe a little weird for county government, but 
I like the option. I'm one of those people who likes the option. That's called freedom. And I, so we did present, why not look at doing a floater where if people want to take Juneteenth, they can, or if they want to take Rosh Hashanah or a Muslim holiday or whatever suits them. I know there are a lot of people I know who would like to take the death of their parent because it's a very emotional day for them. And usually they take vacation. But anyway, it's a floater that allows people to do what they would want. That was my mind. No vote went in. And I think that we can do better as a county, especially when we're trying to attract people. It gives people more of an option and they like that. So respectfully, that was my reason. And, you know, I'm good. Commissioner Richards. Uh, in this, and I think there was a promise that we'd figure out how much the cost was. Any department did here that, uh, <coughs> Ms. Riley's coming up. Yes, we are looking at um, a total for four full-time employees for eight hours for the day would be approximately 165000 and that is for all county. That does not include schools. That's just um, highway, solid waste, land field, and general fund employees. Commissioner mm -hmm. Mary Smith. Can you hear me now? Um, I just want to concur with what um, Commissioner Hayes had also said, and that's one of the things that did come up in committee, is I think in the spirit of diversity, we want to respect, you know, if Juneteenth is an important holiday to people, that they have the ability to take that, that day, but if there's another day that is of importance to them, that they would also have the ability to do that. I think because of the timing of it, the fact that Juneteenth is coming up next week, I think that this is something we'll have to, to further look into um, because I wouldn't want to penalize somebody who does want to take this holiday, who does want to, you know, take that day to, you know, remember or dedicate it. Um, but I do hope, and I did talk to the director, the HR director, about looking into some sort of floating holiday schedule that would allow for employees to choose that day that is of importance to them. Any other questions? Seeing none, if we're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whidbey. 20 yes, 3 no, 1 abstain. Resolution passes. Let's take a 15-minute recess uh, and be back here at approximately 9.50. An extra minute. Okay, as we all take our seats, I do have a request to move another to move another resolution up to the front. Uh, we do have some people here that came uh, to hear the In-N-Out Burger resolution, that being resolution 62329. Um, any objections to moving that one now up to the front of our agenda? Uh, that would be number 62329. That's the resolution to approve a pilot payment in lieu of taxes program for In-N-Out Burger. Seeing no objections, we'll go ahead and read that one next. Uh, 
All right, resolution 62329, resolution to approve a pilot payment in lieu of taxes program for In-N-Out Burger as requested by the Industrial Development Board of Williamson County. Proper motion made by Commissioner Steve Smith, seconded by Commissioner Megan Guffey. Budget committee was 3-4, one against. Tax study committee was 3-4, two against. Uh, explanation, please, Commissioner Mason. This resolution is to enter into an agreement with in and out regarding the building of their headquarters here in Williamson County. It does not pertain to any of the retail establishments. It is a 10-year agreement or up to, I believe it's 1.9 million. I think roughly 1.6 of this works out to be county funds over 10 years or sooner. So it cannot exceed 10 years, cannot exceed the 1.6 roughly county amount which means that they could meet that within five, six, seven years, or they could go 10 years and not meet it. Um, I think when we talked about it in tax study, if it were to go all 10 years, it'd come out to about 160,000 a year. I believe there's a presentation by Matt Largen, who I would ask to come and present. Another thing that we did talk about at tax study has to do with the type of land, um, and maybe the mayor can speak to that a little bit more, but where they're building and the tax structure that's currently there versus the tax structure we would get with the headquarters. So without, uh, or with your uh, permission, I would ask Mr. Largen to come and present to us. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Commissioners. Appreciate you giving me a few minutes to talk through not just this project, but just why we do incentives in the first part. Um, so let me kind of start 10 years ago. Um, 10 years ago, Nolensville Chamber, Brentwood Cool Springs Chamber, Cool Springs Chamber, Franklin Williams County Chamber, and the Department of Economic Development, which was underneath the Williamson County government that I was a part of, came together to unify, to really create a single path to engagement for businesses to engage and get to know each other in the county. They didn't have to write three checks, they didn't have to go to three different meetings. It was a chance for them to really unify and do business across the county. And our team takes it very seriously that we're still part of the Williamson County team and it's an honor for us to be able to represent the county in projects like the In-N-Out Eastern Territory Office. Williamson Inc's two sides of the house, the Chamber of Commerce, Office of Economic Development. The Chamber of Commerce is dealing mainly with small business. We have 1,400 members, <clears throat> excuse me, about 90% of those are between one and 10 employees. And we're really focused on doing things to help companies when it comes to meeting other people, networking, and getting a chance to really learn from their peers. This is a photo from a First Friday event. We have every First Friday that's a small business toolkit workshop. But what I'm gonna talk about tonight is the economic development side specifically. So based on the agreement we have with the county, we focus on these things. We focus on education, workforce development, entrepreneurship, business retention expansion, and business recruitment. Because of time tonight, I wanna to go and talk specifically about the business recruitment side, which is what we're here to talk about tonight. So from a business recruitment standpoint, these are the, some of the companies that actually have their headquarters in Williamson County, every one of these companies have received uh, incentive package in the past from Williamson County government. So the number one target sector for us is headquarters, regional, national, international headquarters. And there's a few reasons why. First of all, it's career opportunities. The kind of jobs that these create are opportunities for people to come and have a career in Williamson County. They can start in the mailroom at Mars, work their way up to CEO of Nissan without ever having to leave Williamson County. This is really important 
because people don't have to go to Charlotte or Chicago or Atlanta to have a career. They can have a career right here with the kind of jobs we recruit and bring into the county. Next, it's about decision makers in our community. And decision makers in our community can help guide philanthropy that benefits our nonprofits in Williamson County. Also, headquarters are a hedge against uncertainty, especially the economic diversity inside of those headquarters. We have automotive, we have healthcare, consumer goods. When one of those sectors takes a hit, the other sector can kind of pull it up. And this is really important too with headquarters because typically it's the last location a company closes if they're having to make some downsizings when there's some challenges in the economy. And next, and this is probably the most important thing to me, it's the impact on small business. This has been really great for me to see being somewhat new in the chamber world, 21% of all management jobs across the entire state are based right here in Williamson County, one out of five. And we account for only 3% of the state's population. In fact, coming out of the pandemic, we had the fifth highest number of net physical business establishment storefront than we did at the start of the pandemic. And there's an absolute connection between the high salaries from these headquarter jobs and the fact that people have more income to spend on small business in Williamson County. There's a direct connection between business recruitment and small business success in Williamson County. So when we talk about criteria for incentives, we look at jobs, we look at salaries, we look at capital investment, we look in community fit and company brand that I'll talk about later, and it's focused on new property coming onto the tax roll that I'll address as well. We're known for being on the very selective end of the spectrum when it comes to offering economic incentives. We never abate tax dollars dedicated to the schools. I remember County Mayor Anderson had a conversation with the Nissan CEO and asked him point blank, how important is public education to you? And he said, very important. And Roger said, good, you understand we won't take that money from the schools and give to you. He said, yeah, I totally get it. And that's been the case ever since. We only offer abatements connected to um, space connected to new construction, never taking property off the tax roll. And it's important for this group to know that a lot of companies do come and ask for incentives and very few deals are actually brought forward. In fact, we've only done 10 pilot deals in the history of Williamson County. And look, I know there are some people have some negative perceptions of economic incentives. I get it. Corporate welfare, picking winners and losers, I totally understand it. In fact, we have these kind of conversations in our office all the time. But I will say, until incentives are not legal and not used across the country, with every state, with every county, it puts us at a competitive disadvantage if we don't offer something to these companies. This is a very competitive project. Every county in Middle Tennessee wants to be Williamson County. They want to have what we have. And this was a very competitive project, not just with other counties in Middle Tennessee, but with states across the country as well. So let me talk about this specifically before I turn it over to someone from in and out who can give some more color commentary. This is the first expansion east of Texas. It's their Eastern Territory office, not their corporate headquarters, but certainly that is they have headquarter functions in this office. It's $125 million capital investment. It's 277 minimum jobs created. Some of those will be relocations, but a lot of those will be filled here locally. And the average salary is approaching $92,000. From a timeline standpoint, they're expected to close on the land by the end of next month. Construction begins in late 2024. The first on-site restaurant opens. There will actually be a restaurant on the site with their headquarter office, and the completion office is in 2026. Um, there was a tremendous amount of uh, excitement during the announcement back in January. I was just talking to a colleague of mine from TVA who was involved with this project as well, and the press that was generated was nothing for this was 
dwarfs anything else that's been um, really in, in Tennessee in the last five years. This is a great headline. The governor at the announcement, that's Lindsay Snyder. She is the current CEO. She's the granddaughter of the founder. It's still a family-owned company with her, hundred, her, her husband, Sean. Great project. Probably my favorite thing that came out of this, though, was what my colleague said from the Chattanooga Chamber. This was a post on LinkedIn. I love Chattanooga, but yesterday I got a little envious of Middle Tennessee, and now it looks like my route back from Nashville may have to change a bit. And for my friends, the Tennessee Economic, uh, Department of Economic and Community Development, Blue Oval City is cool and all, but this might be tennis, Tennessee's biggest economic development win of the decade. Couldn't agree more with Charles. This is a timeline of the project. So Project Lilac, the company named the project, they sent a request for information back in April of 2022. In May 2022, we signed a non-disclosure agreement with a $100,000 penalty for breaching confidentiality. Confidentiality is very important to these companies we work with because they want to be the ones that actually convey this information to their employees when they ultimately make that decision on where to locate or relocate. In December, our team member, Elizabeth McCreary, the, our head of economic development, commissioner for economic development, Stuart McWhorter, and Governor Lee actually went out to California to visit executives. Uh, in April, the Industrial Development Board approved the incentive resolution. In May, the announced incentive package uh, went before frame, uh, Franklin Boma work session. It goes before Boma again tomorrow night. And then tax study, as you heard earlier, approved the resolution. Now, it's important to note when we have these conversations with companies, the letter we present is always says contingent on a vote by the Williamson County Commission. That's why this conversation is so important tonight. And I'll also say, well, let me go to the next slide. So this is something that I sent out, I believe, on late Thursday afternoon. And this is really this is really the most important thing, I think, for the conversation tonight. This lays out the details of the actual incentive agreement. So you can see it's 10 years. You can see the market value of the building, the assessed value, the county tax rate, the non-school, the school portion, and finally the county abatement and then the county collection. It's really important to note that right now the land that this is on is generating $235 annually. With this agreement, it will start to generate $219,000 annually at $2.3 million over the 10-year period. And the forgiveness of the abatement is that 1.6. 10 years is typically what we have done in the past for different companies, for different deals, and that's what allows us to remain competitive with our, with our competition. I mentioned this early as I finished this presentation. I wanted to talk about community fit and company brand. I think that's incredibly important for these companies we had a chance to work with. So In-N-Out Burger um, is an iconic American brand, and it's also a great place to work. They've been ranked consistently as one of the best places in the country to work. This is a ranking from Glassdoor that ranks them 10th in the country this year, and I love the quote that they use. The company will always take care of its associates, even through tough times economically. I also think this is important too. I think you think about a company and a community fit and a brand, in and out is very upfront about their conservative Christian values. And in fact, if you've been doing in and out, you've seen the bottom of their cups or some of their packaging, they have Bible verses on those. They, this is an incredibly important part of who this company is. And next, I think this is critical too. If you think about, it's not just the company, it's the foundations that the company supports. In fact, Lindsay and her husband started the Slave to Nothing Foundation a few years ago to focus on human trafficking and substance abuse. These are two issues incredibly important to Lindsay and her husband, John. So as I finish the presentation, I turn it over for someone from In-N-Out who can provide some commentary. Let me just finally say, 
this, these jobs and this company represents opportunity. It represents opportunity for your constituents, for our friends, our families, our neighbor. Probably the simplest and best definition of economic development I've ever heard is helping to create prosperity for those you care about. And this next example is, is very illustrative, exactly what I'm talking about. This is a text that was sent to me by a friend last fall. Hello, big news. I gave my two weeks notice. Two weeks in Mitsubishi yesterday, and we'll start a new position at CKE. Parties in Carl's Jr. on November 7th. CKE made me an offer I couldn't refuse. This is a friend of mine who grew up here, who was educated here, went off to college, was working in DC and came back for this career. And now she was able to advance in her career through CKE. Two companies that did not have a presence here 10 years ago. That's why these companies matter. It's the opportunities they bring for people to come back, for your kids, for your grandkids, for your constituents. That's why these are so important to the fabric of Williamson County moving forward. So I'll take questions in a few minutes, but with, it's now my pleasure, if, if you're okay, to introduce Mike Abate. He's the VP of real estate for in and out He's gonna provide some other commentary about the project. Mike. Uh, good evening, commissioners. Uh, I promise to be brief. You all have been sitting here a long time tonight. Uh, I'm not gonna take too much of your time. Matt did a really nice job of explaining you know, the, the structure of, of what we're talking about uh, tonight. Uh, I just wanted to provide just, just a quick context that we are so excited uh, about uh, your consideration this evening, as well as the future uh, that we hold here uh, in our hearts for uh, our growth, as a company to come east of uh, east of what was the eastern boundary in Texas um, to be locating ourselves in within Williamson County is was something that was very important to us uh, for a lot of reasons, but mostly um, because of the, the beauty of the location and the and the wonderful surroundings that we have. In addition, we get to we got to work with uh, our, our um, property owner that we're the parcel we're buying mr preston's been wonderful to deal with uh i think he's here this evening right aubrey were we wonderful to deal with yes. thank you so much <laughs> so uh no we are we're planning on an eastern territory office that will be in excess of a hundred thousand square feet at full build out and we're gonna have a restaurant nearby on the same property and that was important to us because uh the folks that are working there uh are allowed to to come and eat at our restaurant you know free of charge every day if they wanted to, I'm not sure that's good, super healthy, uh, but it's just part of our company values. And, and I want to also stress that uh, from, a, from a corporate lens, um, we are a family run business. Lindsay is the fully blooded grandchild of Harry Nestor Snyder, who founded our company. This is our 75th year. We celebrate on October 22nd. We will celebrate 75 years of business. Um, and I'm telling you that uh, a 10 year commitment uh, to us is a, is a, a moment in time. Uh, we will be here uh, successful being a good citizens, good community members. Uh, for uh, generations to come. And we're super excited about that eventuality. So thank you for your consideration this evening and happy to answer any questions along with Matt. Questions for either Matt Largen or the representatives here from in and out Anybody? <coughs> Commissioner Hester. Hello and welcome. Thank you for your presentation. How many stories will this building be? Will it be over two? Three total. Three total. What, what will the height of that be? Overall height, it will be whatever code allows. Uh, we're not asking for any kind of uh, uh, variance. I believe it's something like um, 
42 feet, I think. It, I don't, I don't have the architectural team here, so I can't answer that, but it'll be pursuant to code. This is in my area, in my district. Could, could we ask that possibly you consider the lighting not be directed at the residential neighborhood, please? Yes, actually, uh, Commissioner, we've we've actually had a, a neighborhood outreach meeting with the residents behind us, and that was one of the things they asked of. And of course, we're going to do that. You know, it's our we're committed to always being good neighbors. That's what we have to do to be. Thank successful. you, Mr. Mason. Thank you. So, as chair of the tax study, we had a very um, I wouldn't say long but spirited meeting. Was it just last week? I swear, time time goes by so fast. And I want to make sure I understand the math, um, because that, that was what a lot of us were asking about. You know, why, why should we, a county, as many commissioners bring up in debt, essentially give out $1.6 million to bring in and out Burger here? Why aren't you all just happy to come? And so I, I looked at the math. So essentially, if I understand correctly, and Matt, I think I heard you say that currently the parcel that they're looking at generates $235 a year in taxes. Is that correct? So over 10 years, we made less than 2000 or in 10 years, we'll make less than $2,500 on that property as a county in tax revenue. Under this proposal, because of the corporation or being built there, we will net $700,000 during the term of this agreement because $1.6 million is what we'll pay. We'll collect two point three, so about seven hundred thousand will net. Am I understanding that correctly? No, you're shaking your head, Jeff. I don't believe that's correct. Of the one forty nine and the two nineteen is the total taxes that would be owed. The one forty nine is what you're abating. All right, so we're, t we're collecting 2.375 million, correct? We're abating 1.6. If you had no abatement, they, it would be a $4 million tax bill over that four, 10 years. So you're actually collecting the 2.3 over what you would be collecting if there were no improvement. Okay, so we're actually netting 2.3 million. Okay, thank you. So we're going from collecting $2,350 in taxes to 2.3 million that's under this agreement, then after the agreement, we're looking at collecting, in a 10-year period, of course, $4 million. Is that the basic math? That's right. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I had that correct, because again, I know there are a lot of questions from a lot of commissioners about handouts, but I just wanted to throw those numbers out there. Thank you. Commissioner Williams. Yeah, I guess it's a question for Matt. Um, I, my only question really is from a timing perspective. I know we've done a handful of these. don't necessarily have a problem with them um, in theory. You know, the announcement's already been made that they're coming, right? And here we are just now looking at this. Can you just explain from a process perspective? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you couldn't bring this to us before an announcement happened, right? Because that would be you're violating NDA and that type of deal. I, I recognize that. You know, we're kind of here I guess it looks like you're getting close to closing on the property and we're now looking at this. So from a timing perspective, when you see these applications come through, can, can you talk about like what the window is when, when we should be seeing these? Cause like I said, it does seem a little bit like we're on the back end of this. It's already been announced. They're coming. Everybody knows they're coming. And now we're being asked to abate some taxes. And I just want to understand the process 
in the, in, in, from a timeline perspective? Sure. No, that's, that's a great question. And typically, we would like to see these closer. I think there was some uniqueness around some of the property elements for this company in particular. And I don't know if you want to talk about that. That may be a better question to ask. Just making sure that that was worked out for that site specifically that Lindsay fell in love with. That's correct, Commissioner. It's a, if you saw the timeline, uh, April twenty, April of 22 is when we kind of started this um, interest in that particular property and the area in general, in addition to the, some surrounding counties in another state. Um, and as part of the process, as we got closer, uh, we thought, wow, that's a, you know, it's a pretty attractive total package. As you saw, that you know, governor, who's I'm a, I'm a huge fan, uh, came out, and it was just awesome to be able to meet him and his staff. Uh, and part of that conversation uh, was important to us to know that hey, there's a there's a willingness uh, on from both parties. We were we were willing to go all in, and we we felt like the state and the and the county and the city were interested in having us be a part of it too. So. At that point, it's kind of hard. Then you have to, you know, from a duration standpoint, stuff didn't line up perfectly. But we've been talking about this for a long time. Follow up: Like, did the application occur before an announcement was made publicly? Okay. Yes. Commissioner Sanford. Here we go again. Welfare for the rich. We just went through this long process of trying to abate taxes and, and figure out downtown Franklin and found out we couldn't do that, which I was dead set against, as everyone knows. <clears throat> Lindsey Snyder, the sole owner of In-N-Out Burgers, is worth $4.2 billion. Pay your fair share. <clears throat> yes, this property is green-belted, but don't be fooled. Mr. Preston will sell this property to somebody else if it's not them. Population is going to double. <clears throat> the property will be sold to somebody else. The attorney referenced last time we were here in the budget committee meeting alluded to the fact that they might go somewhere else <clears throat> if this isn't passed. <laughs> Rutherford County, it's not Williamson County. Uh, we'd love to have you all here. But I can tell you from my citizens in District 5, um, I can't speak for the, the other half of District 5, um, this county's a billion dollars of debt. You people, Lindsay is rich. Pay your fair share. <clears throat> the handouts have to stop, in my opinion. <clears throat> and it's gotten to the point where, it, to me, it, it, this is asinine. The deal was made long ago. And then you want the county commission to come support it after the fact, after the deal was made. I understand with the NDAs and, and that sort of thing that you couldn't come to us right when you decided to come here. I get all that. Um, I, I think the process is flawed. Um, but as for me in District 5, my people, <laughs> pay your fair share, folks. Um, this county can't afford to give you an abatement. You got the money. Lindsay's got the money for sure. She can write a struggle check. She can get us out of debt, too. Um, that's all I got to say. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Actually, just a comment and a question. I'll start with a question. Um, on the, the table that we're looking at, you've got the county tax rate fixed at 1.83, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen. And so therefore the math then becomes a little wonky 
in terms of the abatement side, because if that rate goes up, as assessed value goes up, then the abatement value would go up. So the amount of money that we're committing to by voting yes actually has the potential to go up. No, it's actually capped at that 1.6 million. How is it capped if the county tax rate is variable? One point six million. If the rate goes up, the abatement would go up, but the term would be shortened by the abatement going up. So you may only hit seven years of abatement, but so it's essentially more than one point six. So it essentially would accelerate potentially. So it could go to five years or six years yeah. in terms of instead of ten. Several of these have capped out earlier than the ten year period. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for the clarification. Comment. Um, I, you know, I struggle with this. Um, I'm a small business owner here. Um, I think about eight months ago, we had a room full of downtown Franklin business owners asking us to abate their taxes. And, um, and you know, we listened to their stories. Uh, we were told by the state that it was unconstitutional because we have a, uh, uh, as I understand, I'm not an attorney, but our tax law says that we apply our taxes equally to everybody. The exception, obviously, is this, is that we have this, I won't call it a loophole, but a window <clears throat> that creates incentives for businesses. Um, spent a lot of money last week in Ogden, Utah, at one of your restaurants with my family of five. Uh, it was excellent. Uh, I'm excited about y'all being here. Um, but just on its face, uh, I'm very worried about the message it sends to current small businesses that we had to say no to. So um, I, I can't support this tonight. Thank you. You've already spoken. Um, I've got to go to a commissioner who hasn't spoken yet, and that would be Commissioner Mary Smith. So um, I noticed that you said for like 10 years we've been doing this incentives. Do we have any idea the amount of taxes we've abated over the last 10 years, what the total would be for the folks that we've done this before? Have a, I don't have it off the top of my head, but yes, and we have that number. Okay. Um, the reason I'm asking is that, you know, in looking at the debt per capita in 2013, we were about $2,300, give or take a few. We're currently at about $3,200 debt per capita. So our debt, I mean, I, I think the whole purpose of the abatements is to attract more people to increase our revenue. But I wouldn't expect that one of the outcomes is that the debt per capita would continue to go up at a faster rate than inflation. So I'm having a hard time really understand the overall benefits. I understand the brand recognition. I'm very thankful for the, the companies that have come here. But I don't think from a revenue standpoint and from a constituent standpoint and what I'm on, you know, tar I mean, even from a subsidization, it's going back to the taxpayers. So. I'd like to understand the math a little better, but this time I'm not seeing where we're benefiting overall, and I just don't think we're in a place fiscally to be giving them any discounts. That's all I want to say. Commissioner Hayes. I'd like to concur with Commissioner Smith. Um, and looking at my constituents and hearing um, the comments about some of the property tax increases and other taxes and, you know, inflation that they're already struggling with, and then we have a very... Um, nice jail and juvenile justice center we're going to have to pay for very soon, and it's a very high 
price tag. I'm also a small business owner, and I also struggle um, with what Commissioner Torres said that, um, you know, we have to look these people in the eyes and we have to face them at re-election and say, hey, we approve, we agreed to do this. And it just, I don't know, it's, it's hard to swallow. It's hard to say, okay, well, you know, this very large firm uh, or very large company, we're going to abate 1.6 million, but yet small businesses continue to get beaten. And I know I've tried to expand my business as a very small business out in the country, and I've been denied access to permits and approvals to expand my business from the county. So, you know, it's like, I don't know, it, it's difficult. And then to look at a $91.7,000 average salary, we hear a lot that people can't afford to live here. And honestly, 91000 is going to be very difficult for somebody to buy a house and live here in Williamson that, that works. And, and that's, only the median. So I struggle with this too. And then Franklin, downtown Franklin, the fact that we couldn't abate these small businesses and help them keep what makes this wonderful town so scenic and, and beautiful and a tourist attraction, which also does benefit my small business. It, it's difficult for me to vote yes on it and to have to face my constituents out in D1. So I'm sorry. Commissioner Stresser. Obviously, we've uh, <clears throat> spent a good amount of time looking at the, the tax implication of what we're looking at with all this, which I understand that's really the, the resolution we have in front of us. But I'd like to get a better feel. So, you know, you kind of look at this and just take a step back, take a bigger picture view on this whole thing. So the proposals basically abate 1.6 million in taxes. Um, what kind of economic impact are we looking at for the broader community? I know we looked at your know, number of employees, um, salaries and all that. But, you know, typically when you look at projects like this, there's also, you know, some standard ways of looking at overall economic value for a community. I think that's something as we're looking at the whole pieces of the puzzle here. If you guys have anything to comment on that, that was helpful. actually emailed to you, Ken. Yeah. It's the uh, cost versus benefit analysis. You all should have received the uh, cost versus benefit analysis for a pilot program. Uh, it's the document that looks like this. It has um, some numbers dealing with um, the number of new jobs, average salary or um, hourly wage, hours, income that's uh, derived from the new jobs and their impact on the, the community. And this is a form um, analysis that's required by the comptroller's office for every uh, pilot project. Up with the number. Yeah, the, um, the total new annual sales tax that um, will impact the community is $4.9 million. And the number of uh, new direct and indirect induced jobs from the relocation is 690.7 jobs. And so that would be other businesses that come here uh, because of In-N-Out Burger relocating um, suppliers and so forth. Jazz Morton. Yep, there we are. Um, I just need to announce, uh, we've got an indirect conflict on this, which I now understand. Uh, we represent uh, on the other side of this, so I will be voting my conscience. We do not represent the buyer here, but have an indirect relationship through the seller. Um, so I'll be voting my conscience. 
<laughs> Esther? Oh, I'm sorry. Tunnicliffe just punched in, so he gets first gives. <laughs> Aren't I lucky? <laughs> My question really comes down to the mayor. Sorry, Rogers, to do that to you. Um, this board, um, and I'll, I'll say why I have a challenge with this. When I served on the committee years ago when we approved Schneider Electric, in that meeting, I had a challenge with us finding out about this after the fact. Um, and I consider this after the fact again. I understand I was, Matt was nice enough to spend some time with me in the hallway prior to coming back in here. And I appreciate that time. So I read this and it says, Industrial Development Board of Williamson County. Is that board appointed by you or who? I don't, I just don't know, I apologize. Industrial Development Board is appointed and um, certified by you all. By, by the commission. Same thing, same thing you did for several of the committees. Correct. Okay. So my, my question along with that is, and right now I guess for you, Councillor, what is there a way to make that so that a certain number of commissioners would need to be on that board if we're going to continue to give tax dollars I don't want to say away because it sounds horrible to say that, but we're going to give tax relief to companies coming to town. Is that oh, something we can do? Mr. Chairman, can I jump in? <clears throat> I, I, I think the discussion has got to be after tonight. I mean, you all going to vote the way you feel fit. E each person here has an idea of how they <clears throat> represent their community or what their community tells them. If it's the will of this body, and you need to give me directions, because for the last 20 years, excluding um, Primus, which was a Ford Motor Credit prior to me taking office. But since that time, Matt says we've done less than a dozen. Uh, excellent question about jobs and how all of that works out. It's work because people are wanting to come here. It's work because we have great schools. It's work because you name them of the decisions made by you and by other people. When you talk about small business, I get it, but everybody that comes here has an opportunity to go to that small market or go get a haircut or go you name the place, each one of them that have got to be here. Most of the growth that is occurring in our community is within the city limits. Y'all need to remember that. It's not out in the unincorporated areas. It's in these city limits because they have the services. They have the sewer. They have the, the, the road infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. The city is also abating some of this. I don't know exactly what that number is. Kenny's probably got it. But the, the, it falls within the city limits of, of um, Franklin down on, on Paysville Road. I don't look at it any other different than the businessman that I am. They're paying X. We're getting part of that back for them being here, bringing those jobs. It's about jobs to me. It always has been. But tonight, after you vote, if however this turns out, you need to give us direction, staff, Matt, 
And when companies come to town, there's got to be a different process. If you don't want them here, then we'll tell them that. I happen to want these folks. I happen to think they bring a lot of good jobs. I, I do disagree with some of the comments that are made here. They are paying their fair share. They are paying their fair share. We're just helping them through the laws of the state of Tennessee, just like we fill out our taxes. I don't want to pay taxes. So we take every, I go to my CPA and I say, figure this out. I don't have to pay as much taxes. And that's what they're using the laws that the state of Tennessee has under a pilot program or any of these other programs to take advantage to come to our community. Now, that's a little harsh for me to stand up here and say, but if you all don't want them, just tell me. And, and when Matt and his team call me, hey, we've got XYZ coming, coming here, nope, you're going to have to go before the commission first. But please remember, it's competitive. Please remember, they will go to other communities. I'm sorry, they will go to other communities when it's a competitive situation. And we've got lots of jobs with the lowest unemployment this month, I think. Um, but other communities will love to have this opportunity. And you don't have to like what I'm saying. I'm just saying for 10 times we've done this in 20 years. That's it. Is that what you said? 10 times. That's it. On a direction, and that's hence why I asked the question I asked of council, is what is the process we need to do to try and get commissioners on that board rather than no one that has a fiduciary responsibility to the county? That, that was my question. Oh, I I'm took not it in a different I, direction. Trust I me, have no, I have no, no problem with trying. I don't know that the board would um, exclude a county commission. You couldn't have more than two, probably. But certainly if you have two commissioners on there, they would. Yeah. But I think, I think your process, I mean, Matt's comments, yours comments, for, it's the process. We didn't have this problem 20 years ago. We wanted jobs for our community. And, and I, I appreciate And trust me, there is no one of the 24 up here that want to eat an In-N-Out burger more than me in Williamson County. I, it's my first stop when I go to Napa and my last stop when I leave Napa. It just is. I've so, never eaten one. I'm looking forward to it. They're outstanding. Animal fries are even better. But I, I would love to know that. I'll let council answer that you did bring up another point rogers that it is inside the city limits of franklin and i would love to know what the city of franklin is abating um because a lot I of my kenny. constituents in brentwood are asking i think kenny's got what that, that is the city is dollars over 10 years okay yeah, it's the same percentage, 40.5%. Yeah. Thank you. Their, yeah, their, their tax rate is also lower. Smith is the next up who hasn't spoken yet. Commissioner Steve Smith. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, having been involved in all 10 of those uh, over the last uh, 20 years, uh, you know, I, I can say that they have been successful. They've brought incredible businesses to Franklin that have benefited the whole community. And if, if we had not done that, we wouldn't have the tax base that we have now. Uh, 
and project out 10 years, this project will have that same kind of impact on the tax base that we have then. Um, and in the meantime, the taxes that they do pay will go to the schools, uh, which is very important to us and something that with all the other things we have to fund as well. So I'm, I totally support this. Because he hasn't spoken yet, Commissioner Paul Webb. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I'll just go off straight off. I am now philosophically opposed to the pilot programs for many of the comments mentioned. And, uh, but we welcome the company. They have a, a, a reputation uh, around the country and people would really, as Commissioner Tonico said, they love those animal fries. But for those that asked me tonight why I voted against this at tax com committee, um, that was the reason. We have a great product in Williamson County. You know, people almost to the point they ought to pay to come in here. But in listening to the discussion, and I think those of you that asked me tonight, I, it's fair for me to tell you, looking at the numbers again and seeing that they're going to build not just one store, they're going to build multiple stores in Williamson County because this is this is where we are, not just one in Franklin. So the sales tax is going to be generated, plus the jobs and the throw-off, if you will, those support organizations that come around when any headquarters we have, such as we've seen with Nissan as an example. Um, I just want to let you know that, that I'm changing my opinion and I'm, I'm going to support this now. Because after looking at these numbers and, and seeing the umbrella effect, um, it makes sense to me now that th th this is going to be an economic benefit to uh, not only Williamson County, but also probably the entire city of Franklin, city of Brentwood. You guys got to get one to Brentwood, right? Absolutely. All right. <coughs> That's no coercion. Just asking. That was simply a question. Okay. But uh, those of you who did ask me, I have changed my mind. And I think I owed that to you. So I'm, I'm going to be voting yes now. Thank you. I, I'd be philosophical if I didn't. I mean, I'd be just wrong if I didn't say this. Matt, Matt alluded to it. Our tax base is 188. We take a nickel off of the convenience service. Why? Because they're not in unincorporated areas, so we don't charge taxes for Franklin. So it's 183. Um, Matt brought out a point that I, I take for granted, except when I go around with other counties, and they're they're begging for jobs. Um, I mean, many of you should, if you still get the paper like I do. I'm a dinosaur, but I like to have it with with a cup of coffee in the morning. Are you looking at what Murfreesboro, Rutherford County is having to look into property tax increase this year? Have you have you seen any of that? Today's paper or the email that you get is 16. percent They're having a public hearing this week. Uh, look at some of the other counties that do not have what you all have provided in this leadership. I don't disagree with arguments and discussions so long as we don't take it personal. But Matt brought up with the gentleman that was here with Nissan, the president of this big corporation. Now, he's not there anymore. When he asked, when we asked him about schools, he saw the value of what we were doing. 
Do you know, as far as I know, across this state, we're the only county that says you can't have our golden goose dollars. That's schools. From the day I came, became a county commissioner and became the mayor, I have never changed that philosophy. Now, we'll beat Jason up behind the doors. You all will beat him on the front steps. But he came in with a budget this year. He did. He delivered exactly what we told him he had to do. Now, it was nip and tuck because the state still didn't send us the dollars now. And look at an article just recently. We're the second largest entity, municipal, counties are called municipal also, that sends money back to the state of Tennessee that doesn't get it near, near of it back. You know, the, you know what the highest one is? Is Davidson County. And we're the only county that sends eight millions of dollars and we never get it back. So we just keep massaging numbers, coming up with the different fees. Uh, there was a gentleman, and, and all of, many of you were sitting here, we put that educational impact fee. That was not popular. It was crucifying. But we took it on the streets, we took it to the people, and said, let us do it. We really haven't raised taxes, folks, in a long time. And we did a couple of years ago, We I think we a nickel dying. You remember those numbers? Judy, you're the... Huh? Seven cents. We did seven cents. And we're, you heard Phoebe's numbers tonight. $162 million in educational impact fees. That's to every new person that moved in here that was sitting in the audience that's out there in your district. They're paying that. So... We don't give our dollars away. Jason, the school board, we may disagree with them. When it comes down to dollars and cents, you are the ones that do it. And these folks have agreed to it, too. They didn't ask one question, not one question. I implore you to look at what our conversation needs to be in the future. However you vote tonight, I'll be back. And if you don't want to do these deals, it's this is not about anything but just jobs, future jobs for your children and my children in good schools and paying for that in a way that we can all live. Sorry, it took more than that. But it, it's, a, it's a passionate thing with me. It's about jobs, folks. Next up, uh, well, he removed uh, Landrum. Were you okay? Then we've got, uh, who hasn't spoken yet, next up would be Brian Clifford. Chairman. <clears throat> My wife tells me that when my kids graduate and they get jobs, if they don't get jobs here, they don't live here, we're going to follow them in an RV. I said on the campaign trail, one of my goals is to make this community so good they don't want to leave it. And I think good quality jobs helps keep our folks here, gives opportunities to our kids, our grandkids. You know, these opportunities are few and far between. And I have worked economic development at the state level for many years now, more years than I thought I would be at the state, even doing rural development and building economic models with economists and the benefits from companies this size, bringing a headquarters to our community is huge. The payoffs are huge. Looking at it from a business perspective alone, the net gains for Williamson County are huge. 
We're just looking at the tax gains, which are still gains at the end of the day. It's still a win for us, even though we're abating. And I get the, the philosophical idea of a tax cut, but at a business sense, at the bottom line sense, it makes financial sense for us to do this. It makes community sense, in my opinion, for us to do this. And I think it increases our well-being as a community and for jobs and just the economy in general. So I'm very supportive of it. I appreciate you all choosing Williamson County. I know it's competitive. I've seen companies like you look other places. And this is this is amazing deal. And just really appreciate you all considering Williamson County. Thank you, Chairman. Now we're back to Commissioner Hester. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, very much. I know that Lewis Carroll was an, a genius. He wrote a book about Alice in Wonderland and the Queen of Hearts. Alice asked the Queen of Hearts, why do we have to run so fast? The Queen of Hearts says, you have to run so fast to stay where you are. That's the way it is with jobs. That's the way it is with commercial development in Williamson County. Jobs, jobs, jobs. I agree. We have to run as fast as we can to keep the jobs. And I might also say that this property could be an apartment building very easily. Residential development does not pay for itself short term. It's about the money we need to get the tax dollars from businesses. Thank you. Mr. Mason. This is an attorney question because something Commissioner Torres said um, made me think because as chair of the tax study, Attorney Mosley knows we worked very hard with the state to figure out what can we do for the small business owners. We looked at plan A, plan B, plan C, and every time we turned around, no, 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 you can't help them. So why is it legally that we're able to do something like a pilot program? What differentiates that? Because I also have to look at the small business owners who came before me on the tax study where we said, yes, majority of us, we want to help, but we weren't able to. So how do we <clears throat> then go to them and say, I know we couldn't help you, but guess what we just did for this big corporation who, by all means, will benefit Williamson County. But how do we explain that to the small business owner? Did not have the statutory authority to a, to change a tax rate for a district or for a group of tax payers. You have a statutory authorization for a pilot program for economic development that's been approved by the legislature and has the steps that we have to take, which includes the abatement agreement by the county commission. That structure, that process, quite honestly, does not contemplate the county commission being involved in the negotiation of the deal going forward. It contemplates the legislative bodies of the abating entities agreeing that they will abate after the agreement has been reached, but it's a statutory authorization. The county has no powers other than what is granted to it by the state. It has not granted us the authority to abate or change tax rates for historic districts or any others. And that was where we kept 
going back to, to Commissioner Lawrence's question. If the state wants to give us that authority legislatively, we could look at that. They have not, and we were told by a legislative delegation it was unlikely to be able to do that. The comptroller added the constitutionality argument uh, that it would still be a distinction in the rate that was not authorized. This is not a distinction of the rate. The property is still taxed at the same rate. We are allowed to abate it by a legislative authority for certain economic uh, models. You can also abate property in blighted areas. Now, that doesn't apply to Williamson County, but that's another statutory authorization for abatements. Um, but economic development is one specific, and that's the authority that we're going under. So we, as a commission tonight, are picking and choosing between small business owners in downtown Franklin and larger corporations. We're simply playing within the statutes and the rules that are given to us. And this is a tool that we have in our toolbox that we did not have when talking and, and deciding what to do with those small business owners. Am I understanding that correctly? Correct. All right. Thank you. Any other questions? Seeing none, if we're ready to vote. Matt, can you shut down the PowerPoint? Let's see, you got to pull back up the. There you go. Okay. If you're in favor of resolution 62329, press your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. Resolution passes. I want to thank the uh, in and out burger representatives for staying so late. Appreciate, appreciate you being here. And I want to thank all department heads for staying so late because we are now, believe it or not, on resolution number one under appropriations. <laughs> resolution 6236, resolution for intercategory adjustment for an approved raise for the 22-23 budget year. My motion screen is not up. Uh, Steve Smith and oh. Megan Guffey. Okay, I've got a proper motion from Steve Smith and a second from Megan Guffey. The school board was 11-4-0 against. Education committee was 4-4-0 against. Budget committee 4-4-0 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Jones. Okay, I'm scrolling through my resolution here on my... They're all out of order now. I know, but I'm going to tell you we've been so long. I think this is just... Jason is here to answer where we uh, are moving uh, intercategory from the race that we had and also where we had um, classified people to get two extra holidays. Any questions? Seeing none, if we're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Mr. Nations. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 6237, resolution appropriating $900,000 in the general purpose school fund budget from current revenues for related trustee commission. Proper motion from Commissioner Herbert, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. School board was 1140 against. Education committee 440 against. Budget committee 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. 
collected additional taxes than that was in the budget. Any questions? Seeing none, if we're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero Resolution passes. Resolution 6238, resolution appropriating $625,000 in the 22-23 general purpose school operating budget for liability, workers' comp, and property insurance claims. Proper motion made by Commissioner Jones, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. The school board was 1140 against, education committee 440 against, budget committee 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Jones. This is uh, $625,000 that uh, with claims to date, we, we need to increase this because of uh, claims that are projected. Questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, Resolution passes. Resolution 6239, resolution amending the 22-23 general purpose school budget by $580,000 for additional fuel expenses. Proper motion made by Commissioner Ricky Jones, seconded by Commissioner Megan Guffey. Mm. School board was 1140 against. Education committee 440 against. Budget committee 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Jones. The price of fuel going up over the last six months. Questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Commissioner Clifford. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62310, resolution amending the 2223 general purpose school budget by $488,000 for additional operating expenses. Motion made by Commissioner Jones, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. School board 1140 against. Education 440 against. Budget committee 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Jones. Yes, we had an increase in portables or additional portables that was needed. We also had copy paper cost increase and janitorial fees increased. Questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62311, resolution to transfer funds to the Rural and General Debt Service Funds to pay principal and interest on energy systems conservation debt. Proper motion made by Commissioner Jones, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. School board was 1140 against. Education committee 440 against. Budget committee 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Jones. This is the agreement that we have with the energy companies, and this is to help pay the debt and the debt service. Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Passes. 
Resolution 62312, resolution amending the 2223 general purpose school budget by $300,000 for additional special education expenses. Proper motion made by Commissioner Jones, seconded by Commissioner Torres. School board was 1140 against, education committee 440 against, budget committee 440 against. Explanation please, Commissioner Jones. This is student support services. Um, there's a need to a psychological uh, support and also some contracted services. Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed or no? Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62313, resolution amending the 2223 general purpose school budget by $725,000 for additional special education expenses. Proper motion made by Commissioner Jones, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. School board was 1140 against, education committee 440 against, budget committee 440 against. Explanation please, Commissioner Jones. Yes, uh, student support services saw an increase in the amount of legal uh, fees needed in special education. Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed or no? Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62314, resolution amending the 2223 extended school program fund by $107,350 for additional expenditures from existing funds. Proper motion made by Commissioner Jones, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. School board was 1140 against. Education committee was 440 against. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Jones. That will come out of this extended school program. It'll come from their funds. Questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, if you're in favor, press your yes button. Any opposed or no? Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62315, resolution amending the 2223 Central Cafeteria fund budget by $660,925 for additional expenditures from existing funds. Motion made by Commissioner Webb, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. School board was 1140 against. Education committee 440 against. Budget committee 440 against. Explanation please, Commissioner Jones. This is just like the last resolution except it's coming out of the central cafeteria fund. Questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed or no? Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62316, resolution amending the 2223 Highway Department budget and appropriating up to $450,572.51 for paving expenses on Greenbrier Road, revenues to come from state aid program. Mo motion made by Commissioner Paul Webb, seconded by Commissioner Steve Smith. Highway Commission was 440 against, Budget Committee 440 against. Explanation please, Commissioner Webb. By road, Greg Boyle is here. If anyone has any specific questions, any questions? Uh, Commissioner Hayes. My constituents just wanted to say a big thank you. It looks really nice. 
That's it. Any other questions? Seeing none, if we're ready to vote, if you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62317, resolution appropriating and amending the 2223 excess risk insurance in the county general fund, totaling $314,847.16. Revenues to come from insurance recoveries and unappropriated county general fund balance. Proper motion made by Commissioner Mary Smith, seconded by Commissioner Drew Torres. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. This is where the insurance claims have exceeded the budgeted amount. Questions? Seeing none, if you're in favor, press your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Commissioner Stresser? Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Passes. Resolution 62318, resolution appropriating and amending the 2223 Community Development Department budget by $12,000 to provide for the expense of certain reserve fees charged in association with the collection of the educational impact fee, the adequate facilities tax, adequate, adequate schools facility tax, and other miscellaneous fees. Revenues to come from unappropriated county general fund balance. Proper motion made by Commissioner Herbert, seconded by Commissioner Steve Smith. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. The vendor requires um, a cash reserve until the fees are processed, and this is to replenish those cash reserve. Any questions? Seeing none, if we're ready to vote, if you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Commissioner Landrum, there we go. Uh, record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. Yes, zero, no. Resolution passes. Resolution 623-19, resolution appropriating and amending the 22-23 animal care budget by $48,525. Revenues to come from donations. Proper motion made by Commissioner Mary Smith, seconded by Commissioner Greg Sanford. Uh, what was the budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. Actually, I, th I think it's mine. I'm sorry. You're right. Commissioner Stresser, I apologize. Um, just uh, donations from uh, Petco Love, uh, friends and staff of General Helper, and uh, Petco Grant Funds. Stresser, any questions? Uh, Commissioner Mason? Just wanted to say, obviously, um, anytime we get a donation, it's very special, especially for any of our organizations. But I, I would just like to point out that, again, in honor of General Helper, um, there was a donation made for her for the animal control to purchase a memorial bench um, for people to enjoy while they're walking their dogs and hopefully adopting dogs. So I just want to say um, thank you to everybody who donated to that. Questions or comments? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Passes. Resolution 62320, resolution amending the 2223 public defender's budget by transfer of funds collected through a fee for the cost of judicial services for indigent defendants in the amount of $3,500. Funds to come from revenue. Motion made by Commissioner Herbert, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. Budget committee was 440 against. 
Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. This is fees collected to support services for indigent defendants. Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, <clears throat> Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62321, resolution appropriating and amending the 2223 medical examiner's budget by $32,200. Revenues to come from unincorporated, I'm sorry, unappropriated county general funds. Proper motion made by Commissioner Herbert, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. Uh, Public Health Committee did not meet. Budget Committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. This is more autopsies from, for the medical examiner to do than was in our budget. A lot of people dying. <laughs> Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote. If you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62322. Resolution appropriating funds not to exceed $4,186,000 for the purchase and installation of capital improvements to improve the air quality efficiency and maintenance costs for certain county buildings. Revenues to come from the American Rescues Plan Act funds. Proper motion made by Commissioner Paul Webb, seconded by Commissioner Steve Smith. Property committee was 440 against. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Webb. Mr. Chair, this to qualify for ARPA, most of these projects, all these projects are primarily to improve the air quality in the facilities where these projects will be done. Earlier tonight, you, you passed a resolution paying part of the fee that we paid Schneider early on, and that was paid for by savings from the energy efficiency. These ARPA projects were pulled from a $21 million Schneider proposal to improve efficiency at various county-owned non-school facilities. This is a part that we could fund with ARPA because ARPA allows us and encourages us to use the funds on projects that provide cleaner air, better air circulation for the users in the interior building space, and the removal of mold and mildews from the spaces, all improvements to resolve those items causing the mold and mildew to form in the first place. This project includes the building envelopes to restrict airside air entry at the Leapers Fork Rec Center Library, the Fairview Library, and the Community Services Building in Fair Fairview. It's also to be used for improving the HVAC system at the Ag Expo Center, the Fairview Health Department, and the Franklin Health Department. Just as a note, Schneider was originally approved to be the county contractor for improving these energy efficiency projects by this body in May of 2017. Individual projects and their funding have been approved by subsequent county commissioners. There will be savings beyond just the health and air quality in the facilities. This will be approximately 30,000 per year in energy savings over these projects. These overall savings will have to be made at some point because units do wear out and we will need to fix these buildings that have leaking air. These long range plans in the maintenance department will now be funded by ARPA funds rather than general tax dollars, as well as will the replacement of HVAC units as they've worn out, especially at the Ag Center and this will reduce future capital expenditures that we would normally have to pay from the general fund. And we're using the ARPA guidelines to make this funding. Question from Commissioner Richards. Commissioner Webb, do you know, do you know if this was put up to bid at all or are we just automatically expected you to work? Back in 2017, if uh, Kevin's here, I think uh, 
we did requests for proposals. If I remember right, trained, got the school bid or the school projects, and I'm not sure who else was uh, involved in the projects. Commissioner, uh, no. The answer uh, is no, we did not. No, we, we went into a uh, discussion with Schneider. We had a very successful ESCO phase one project with them, $18 million alone spent on this facility. We had uh, discussions with additional air quality things based on the ARPA guidelines that we could do. Schneider, that's one of their uh, main things that they do, and they did that with us on this facility and other facilities in phase one of the ESCO. Partnering with our team and uh, Schneider, uh, we formulated a plan based on the amount that was uh, allocated to us and what we could get done. Most of the things that we're getting done air quality, I'm taking off my capital request. So I don't have to ask for taxpayer money to get it done. It's not required to be bid to put proposals in for appropriation of ARPA funds. It's not something where we decide the project and then bid it out. Proposals came in for ARPA fund use and those were selected in order to uh, distribute the monies received from the government. It was not a bid process requirement. I'm going to vote no on this. I'm going to try and educate myself more in the future. I've seen Snyder Electric come up a lot. I have a concern that they're the one, that we talked about this in committee, but I have a concern that they're the ones recommending the change and they're the ones doing the change. No, sir, that is incorrect. We've accepted what they've done working together as a team. Uh, and that's the proposals that they came up with, and we've accepted that based on your uh, uh, your vote tonight. I, I would disagree. Like, how this is it sounds like they're coming in as the experts to explain what needs to be done, and then they're doing Sanford. Kevin, your knowledge, uh, recommendations that these things that. Um, ARPA is going to pay for it, need to be done immediately? Yes, sir. They, if they're not done, the lifespan of all the units that we will replace will have to be done within the next four to five years. So, yes, sir. Any other questions? Seeing none, if we're ready to vote. If you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 23 yes, one no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62323, resolution accepting a donation of $5,000 for the purchase of tactical equipment for the Williamson County Sheriff's Office and appropriating and amending the 2223 Williamson County Sheriff's Office budget by $5,000. Revenues to come from donations. Motion made by Commissioner Herbert, seconded by Commissioner Steve Smith. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. This is a generous donation of $5,000 from Bell and Associates Construction, and it's for the Sheriff's Office to use for purchase of law enforcement equipment. Questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, all those in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, please Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62324, resolution appropriating and amending the 2223 Capital Projects Fund budget by $100 for trustees commission. Revenues to come from reserve balance. Motion made by Commissioner Herbert, seconded by Commissioner Guffey. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. This is the trustees commission for the Capital Projects Fund budget that we got extra collections. Questions? 
Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, if you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 623-25, resolution appropriating and amending the 22-23 Trustees Commission in the respective operating funds. Revenues to come from fund balances in each respective fund. Motion made by Commissioner Herbert, seconded by Commissioner Sturgeon. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. Another trustee's fee for the county general fund, the solid waste fund, the highway fund, and the general debt fund. Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, if you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Commissioner Sanford? Oh, I'm sorry. If you'll note him as being absent and then record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. Twenty-three yes, one absent. Passes. Resolution six twenty-three twenty-six. Resolution appropriating and amending the twenty-two twenty-three rural debt service fund by sixty-eight thousand one hundred forty-two dollars for interest payments. Revenues to come from undesignated fund balance. Motion made by Commissioner Guffey, seconded by Commissioner Paul Webb. Budget committee was four four zero against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. This is the interest payments on new debt for these school bonds. Questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, if you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Commissioner Landrum. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 23 yes, one absent. Resolution passes. Resolution 623-27, resolution appropriating and amending the 22-23 General Debt Service Fund by $1,997,914 for interest payments. Revenues to come from undesignated fund balance. Motion made by Commissioner Herbert, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. Uh, budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Herbert. Is the interest payments on new debt in the general fund? Questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, if you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Passes. We've already done resolution 28, uh, resolution 62336. Is that our next one? is the late filed resolution, resolution appropriating and amending the 22-23 clerk and master chancery court budget by $3,080, revenues to come from reserve account, motion made by Commissioner Paul Webb, seconded by Commissioner Greg Sanford. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation please, Commissioner Webb. Uh, you can see from the resolution, they're moving the funds over to office supplies in order to buy laptop computers for their operations. Any questions? Mm -hmm. Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, if you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Commissioner Sanford. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Passes. We also have already done 623.29, so on to 623.30. Resolution to adopt the 2021 International Building Codes for Williamson County, Tennessee. Motion made by Commissioner Guffey, seconded by... 
Commissioner Tunnicliffe. Uh, Planning Commission was 940 against. Budget Committee was 440 against, as amended, to change the effective date from July 1st to September 1st. Explanation, please, Commissioner Clifford. <laughs> Sorry, it was a cheap joke. At any rate, uh, very briefly, uh, we are required by state law to keep the building code that we operate on within six years, is it Mark? Within six years. And so uh, of the this edition will be for International Building Code for 2021. And uh, the amendment we had, we had a what I would consider probably a defective uh, effective date we have with uh, Commissioner Sanford and Mayor Anderson's, uh, and rightly so, suggestion moved it back to September 1st. I have a motion to move the date from July 1st to September 1st. Motion, motion made, Second. seconded. Any discussion on the uh, motion to amend? Seeing none, we're voting on the amendment. The amendment to move the effective date from July 1st to September 1st. If there are no other questions, anyone, uh, if you're ready to vote and you're in favor of the amendment, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Now we're back to the resolution as amended. Any questions on the resolution as amended? Commissioner Mary Smith. Just a quick question. So with these new international building codes, do we know any kind of cost impact this would be when these, these new buildings come up? I mean, what are kind of the differences, some of the differences you've seen that might be substantial? Okay. Yeah, only so much you can do with sticks and bricks. So there's not a lot of changes that are that it will be cost effective in, in the building industry at all. And more addresses new products that come online, you know, like new new toys and stuff that people have. But uh like but green it, energy and yeah, okay. Not a lot of changes that we see uh happening to to affect the cost. All right, okay. so you don't really see any major cost increases with the, the bill. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Stanford. I'm just going to address Mary's question. Um, there is a great deal of cost with the with the air requirements from what they were in 2015 to what they're 2021. That being said, um, I did have a conversation with the Home Builders Association, and um, they were notified. It was it's probably been a year ago that this was coming down the pike, um, and some of them had forgotten that they were notified. But um, I think based on Myself and the mayor speaking about it, and, and the other members that were there at that committee meeting. Um, September first gives them ample time to um, get their ducks in a row, if you will. Um, and I have spoken again with with several members of the leadership of the Home Builder Association, and um, they weren't necessarily happy, but they were notified, um, like the director said, um, and. They're just going to have to prepare for it, right? State laws, it is what it is. So um, they'll have to incur the extra cost, which we passed on to the homeowner. But so we're going to see. Uh, the, on the energy side of it, 
We have to, by state law, we have to stay with the 2009 energy code, okay? And so that takes us back to where there's not, there's still only R19 in the walls rather than R30, okay? So that, that we're getting these houses so tight now that, that you have to cut a hole in the wall to bring fresh air in. Okay, so nobody wants a hole in a wall to let mice and snakes and everything else in. So, so we're sticking, by state law, we have to stay with the 2009 energy code. So that, that's, that's a good thing. That's good. I'm not, I'm not a home builder, right? I'm a, I'm a real estate agent and developer. So all I can rely on is what uh, Sheely told me at the, at the Home Builder Association um, and, and the, the second command over there, right? Because that's what they do for a living. Right. Um, they were concerned about dramatic impacts with the air quality um, standards and costing more money. So just relaying that to Commissioner Smith. Right. That, that's fine. But we, st we still have to stay with the 2009 energy code, which, you know, don't, the air quality problems were because we're getting these houses too tight. So we don't have to, you know, cut holes in the walls to let air in. Any other questions or comments? Seeing none, if we're ready to vote, if you're in favor of resolution 62330 as amended, press your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please. Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Passes. <clears throat> Resolution 62331, resolution authorizing the Williamson County Mayor to execute a long-term lease agreement with the Williamson County School District for property located at 106 Claude Yates Road. Motion made by Commissioner Landrum, seconded by Commissioner Torres. The property committee was 440 against. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Landrum. Mine still doesn't work. No. Okay. Yes, this is the property at Claude Yates where everybody knows Cheek Park is, and the Williamson mm -hmm. County School District wants to come in with a new innovation hub that's really needed in the old animal control building. Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, if you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 23 yes, one no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62332, resolution authorizing the Williamson County Mayor to execute a lease agreement with Gentry's Educational Foundation for office space in the County Community Services Building. Proper motion made by Commissioner Landrum, seconded by Commissioner Sanford. Property committee was 440 against. Budget committee 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Landford. Yes, this is to house general... Gentry's Educational Foundation, called the Foundation at 129 Folk Street, and for the mayor to lease and continue to lease Suite 128. Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, if you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62333, resolution authorizing the Williamson County Mayor to execute a lease agreement with Mid-Cumberland Mills on Wheels for office space in the County Community Services Building. Proper motion made by Commissioner Guffey, seconded by Commissioner Tunnicliffe. Property committee was 440 against. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Landrum. 
Yes, just as said, this is from Mid-Cumberland Mills on Wheels to Use Suite 107 there on uh, 129 West Folk Street. Any questions? Seeing none, if you're ready to vote, if you're in favor, signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. Resolution 62334, resolution authorizing the Williamson County Mayor to execute a lease agreement with Mid-Cumberland Community Action Agency for office space in the County Community Services Building. Proper motion made by Commissioner Mary Smith, seconded by Commissioner David Landrum. Property committee was 440 against. Budget committee was 440 against. Explanation, please, Commissioner Landrum. Mid-Cumberland Community Action Agency, it's leasing space at... Uh, Suite 136 at 129 Folk Street. Move for Any approach. questions? Seeing none, if we're ready to vote, all those in favor signify by pressing your yes button. Any opposed, your no. Anyone wishing to change their vote, please do so at this time. Record the vote, please, Mr. Whitby. 24 yes, zero no. Resolution passes. It is an understatement for me to say thank you to the sheriff's deputies who have stood here all night. I appreciate you. Appreciate all the department heads, appreciate all the commissioners. Uh, we got her done. I'm looking for a motion to adjourn. We are adjourned.